Okay, well, hi everyone. Welcome to FTP for Triathlon People, um, episode three. I am Morgan. I'm Cameron. And we are here with Oakley, Matt, and Paige. Um, We're coming to you live from the Govo. <laughs> Gun Barrel, Boulder, Colorado, um, which is where we all live. Yeah. <laughs> which I don't know if we should keep in the podcast. This is all very strange. No, it's great. Um, okay, so we are recently home from 70.3 Indian Wells, which I call 70.3 Indian Wells. Cam calls 70.3 La Quinta. Everyone else in the world picks between La Quinta, Indian Wells, and Indian Wells, La Quinta, which is a debate I don't think we should engage in today. But What was the other one that we saw or that we heard? It was like IWLP or something? Uh, LQ. LQ. I am I 70.3 IWLQ. Everyone loves the acronyms. Yeah, we saw that too while we were there. But But it was just last weekend, so we're a a week out. Yeah, a week out. We've had some time to think. We've had like multiple race recaps with everyone from my coworkers to our coach to Cam's mom. Everybody's heard about it. And now it's time to tell the podcast. And we told Matt and Paige too. So this is the second time they get to listen to it. Lucky duck. <laughs> um, so we left Boulder Thursday morning. We had um, a 30-minute run. Um, is that it? And a swim. We had a 30-minute run and a 30-minute like shakeout with a little bit of speed swim. Mm-hmm. Um, we woke up at normal time, like 6.30, 6 o'clock, I think. Got out of the house by 6.30. Made it to the pool. Um, did our swim, which was super fast easy um it had started to rain here so we were like we gotta get out of boulder so fast um and then we came home and i hopped on the treadmill watched frozen while i did my little 30 minute shakeout run um and cam packed up the car i'm more more likely i just like stressed out and i literally came home and i was like cam what have you done like we need to go i was mid packing our lunches and i had just clipped my legs also known as sh- just shaving. Like yeah, yeah, the, like, but but just clipping them like with the rave. buzzers. Yeah, the buzzers. Because my years of swimming experience have taught me that if you just use a normal razor, like to shave your face or for girls to just shave their legs, you just use that on a fully grown out man leg, which my legs aren't even that bad, <laughs> but like it can take hours. But if you clip them first with like the razor that you use on your head, like at the barber shop, and you just put it on the lowest setting and just clip over everything. It, it only takes like 15 minutes then once you actually get to your destination, which saves a lot of time. And the reason you shave is for speed and hydro and aerodynamics. Yeah. Um, when you're racing, you kind of want every advantage. And so I don't have hair like anywhere on my body. Yeah, except for except head. my head and my legs. <laughs> um, so I like don't need to shave my arms or anything, but some people will shave their arms down um, and then just like, like literally lotion them up um, so that when you're swimming and also biking, there's not really an advantage for running, but in those first two, um, you can get kind of an advantage over someone who maybe didn't shave. Um, And that's called shaved and tapered is when you're like really race ready. Um, And I think that comes from swimming mostly, but I think so. I mean, it's, it's huge in cycling, but a lot of people, especially the arms, they say that, Shaving your arms, I think it's like a one watt advantage, if not like half a watt. It doesn't really do that much. I th- I don't know. I think it does just because like the outside of my forearms are exposed to the wind. You can feel when you're it. like down in your arrow bars. I can sort of feel it. And then your legs obviously are totally exposed. Um, it might be 
largely mental too. I yeah, think. but I think I think the biggest thing. I mean, the aerodynamics of shaving your legs is is considerable. I think, but I think for the, big, the bike. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I think the other thing is that like it helps with massages. I've heard a lot with like pro cyclists, and then also with like injuries, cause, so they don't have to rip off all their hair when they crash. But Gosh. I don't know. We're That's just what I've heard. For just the advantages and not the like <laughs> mitigating disadvantages. Um, but so Cam was shaved up. Yeah. Making oh, but, our lunches. But I don't know to that. At least when I was a swimmer, I used to shave like literally everything. So it's brain and everything. So I don't even have like a hair on my chest or hair on my back or anything. But we're both like naked mole rats just walking <laughs> around town. But uh, the, I guess when you shave, it's not necessarily shaving the hair. It's more like shaving off the top layer of skin, which exposes all the nerve endings which I guess helps you feel like a rocket in the water, which is where I feel it the most. You just, I don't know, pushing off the wall, you can go like twice as far, basically. It's crazy. <laughs> which may be mental. It folks. might be mental, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> the suits nowadays also do some crazy stuff, but. Cam is a rocket, is what we're trying to get at here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, so, to get back to kind of our timeline. Yeah. Um, we had whiffed out both of our workouts early on mm-hmm. um, because our we were driving out to California, which is where Indian Wells um, La Quinta was being held in just about Palm Springs region. Yeah. Um, which was like a 15-hour total drive for us. Yeah. Um, and we've flown with our bikes before, but we decided we wanted to drive out because we've never seen really that side of the country. Um, we prefer to drive, I think, when possible. Um, just because packing up our bikes is, can be a hassle and airlines can be a hassle with our bikes. Yeah. Plus all the fees and like with a car, you can also pack whatever you want basically because you just have that much extra space. Whereas in an airline or like a bike suitcase, you have to really, you're limited, right? You got to watch what you're taking or you pay the excess baggage fees or just like, you don't want to take four suitcases because then you're gonna have to lug them around the airport and everything, which is, can just be a hassle. So yeah, definitely. Good point. Yeah. So we, we tend to drive unless it's like obscene, but like we've driven from DC to Miami, which is like 15 hours. This past year, we drove from Boulder to Michigan, Boulder to Ohio round trip, and then now Boulder to Palm Springs. Yeah. So all over the country this past year. Yeah. And our drive was taking us through the mountains mm-hmm. um, and we had seen forecasted snow right um and we wanted to get ahead of that avoid it as much as we could we drive a very small little go-kart of a vehicle (laughs) um which has had quite a time of kind of navigating the snow so we wanted to put ourselves in the best position to get there safely and on schedule um we had originally planned to stop in the mountains in one of those cute little mountain towns to pop a swim in but we decided to just get that done here so we knew the pool knew what we were doing and it was free the, yeah we had our memberships yeah that was the biggest thing was we had our memberships to the boulder rec centers here and we looked online and i think the avon rec center was, was like 14 dollars a person yeah and that's that's the worst part about pool fees when traveling some of them can be like really nice like i've been to a bunch of wise that are only like five dollars mm-hmm. but some places even like will let you get in on a free day yeah like a free trial you've gotten really lucky with with various pools also kind of i feel like wise often will be like oh is it your first time you get like a day free so if you're ever traveling around and looking for a pool i know we mentioned um swimmer's guide what is it yeah i think it's like i just searched swimming pool finder on google Mm -hmm. and it's like the first link you just plug in wherever you're looking it's literally worldwide 
and typically they show you again it's like the distance if it's open to the public and sometimes they have like the emission fees but typically it's just a good resource to find something that somebody else might know about and then from there i, I typically google that specific and, and typically they link to the, the pool website. yeah they link with the website but i just google it typically. and then you can double check fees and their schedule and um you know open swim hours and stuff and yeah. then um from there if you arrive at the pool and just mention that it's your first time ask if they have any like you know day Trial. one trials or something um yeah. and then if not just like the guest fees are really not this was the most expensive we've ever seen was 14 dollars. Yeah, that's pretty pricey um and since we have a pool here and we were leaving at and like standard time i think yeah. we just thought it made sense especially around the holidays too because free trials sometimes they'll like say you get seven passes or a mm -hmm. week trial so while you're traveling for the holidays i would definitely check that out so if you're a triathlete training at home somewhere across the country that's definitely a pro tip <laughs> pro tip from cam um so we got our swim got our run in um i think did do you want to talk about your hip and why you didn't do the run on thursday I, I'm, I mean, as we sit here now, a week out, I'm still, or I guess a week, what was that, Thursday? So I was still going through some hip pain. I'd run twice that week, I think Sunday and Monday, and both times it just felt pretty bad. I think you started, you finished Sunday, and you only started Monday, I think right? that I think that might be right. So Cam's been dealing with some, like, hip flexor pain, like, almost lumbar like inner groin, spine. Lumbar, mm -hmm. sp lumbar spine pain, and... Going into the race, it was really a big question mark as if I was even going to race it, which we can get into later. But mm -hmm. I, and I didn't run up and from like that Monday until race day. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you had it. And he was, I mean, you were babying it quite a bit too. Yeah. We tried to stay off our feet as much as we could. A um, pop and a leave every 12 hours. Lots of rolling, lots of stretching. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you hadn't run on Thursday. I had gotten my run and you were making Sambos. We packed up the car, um, drove on out. We passed through lots of really cool cities i think well yeah we first i mean we the snowstorm yeah we basically hit the rocky mountains and like <laughs> as soon as we hit the mountains like going up 70 it just became like this crazy snowstorm like it was like becoming difficult to see everyone was like the speed limit was like 70 and everyone was going like 12 yeah <laughs> through this mountain pass so slowly and then we hit traffic and out we there hit really bad traffic and so basically how the roads work is there's like the main interstate going through all these cities and there's like two roads parallel to the highway that like weave in and out of the highway basically like go underpasses or overpasses what have you and <laughs> and there's so such bad traffic and morgan was like it's going to be an extra two hours. We got to go around this. I was so, like, we can get off here. And Cam was like, no, no, let's stay on the road. And I was like, listen, buddy, an hour and a half longer to go straight. Let's just try it. So we like get off the highway. And basically at this like, point, what's the, when you slide back and forth, the back of your car, dove? uh, dovetailing. Yeah. Yeah. We did that. Like as soon as we exited, because there was already like three or four inches of snow, like fresh snow on the street. And so they're like, tons of snow plows everywhere and like we're easily the smallest vehicle with oh, our yeah. little ford fiesta everybody's in like these big jeeps or trucks or subarus tanks like the whole thing <laughs> every tanks <laughs> sleds just being pulled by dogs yeah oakley's out there running running on, on <laughs> i-70 <laughs> um but we made it yeah, yeah we, we made it through so our first stop actually was moab yeah we Utah. yeah we came out of the mountains um and as soon as we hit like grand junction on the other side of the rockies 
Yeah, it was like actually no, it was before that even. We like hit like probably like Vail. Honestly. Vail is exactly where the snow stopped. Is it, that like, what you're instantly about? stopped yeah. and at that point our car was like completely you couldn't see out of any of the windows. <laughs> Because, like, there was we so much snow. We stopped at the gas station and just, like, peeled dirt off of our windshield. Just so we could sort of see, but it was still really bad. And the snow stopped, so it was, like, beautifully sunny. And, like, up there at altitude, we were at, like, 7,000 feet. And our car started heating up because there's so much sunlight pouring in. It was, like, totally different climate. Mm-hmm. And we passed through Grand Junction. and then Which in the- was a very boring city. Yeah. I was hoping for so much more from Grand Junction. Yeah. It's about the size of Boulder, but it was very... So flat. So flat. Yeah. You like leave the Rockies, right? And then it just becomes like desert and you don't see... It's just like behind you are the mountains and plateaus even. Yeah. And then in front of you is just like nothing. But, well, I mean, we'll touch on this even more. That's what we expected. We expected once we hit Grand Junction, it'd be nothing but flat desert. Uh We were decently surprised, or I would say extremely surprised to see big mountain ranges like everywhere out west Wait, out of moab i mean out of grand junction after grand junction yeah, yeah, yeah all yeah, the way yeah. from grand junction until i mean we don't uh, until palm springs it was like you go through a mountain pass and you see and like, then there's another mountain and pass. then there's a huge valley of desert and then you hit another one and it's just like that every probably like every hour honestly but yeah we our first stop was in moab which we absolutely loved we stopped there for like we, I am super type A as all of our, all of the listeners who know me know, I'm like very much a planner, very much like need everything planned to the minute. So I had like four different schedules. One was a Google doc, like sheet. One was in my Google calendar and it was just like arrive at Moab at like 3.54 PM <laughs> and then grab dinner quickly and drive into Arches to catch the sunset at X spot at exactly this time um so we arrived at like a little bit earlier than schedule planned which yeah we didn't expect that either i mean we budgeted a lot of time but we arrived early even despite that crazy snowstorm of going like 30 miles an hour in Mm -hmm. and we um stopped to get sandwiches and the downtown of moab is really cute what (laughs) nothing (laughs) i loved i loved the downtown of moab i know it just felt like there was it was pretty touristy and really I thought it was. It's I'm, definitely catering to like n- national park folks. Like Arches was literally a 14 minute drive to like the center of the park. Yeah. From the center of Moab. Yeah. Um, so I think that, but also so many bike shops. I think that was something that really got you excited. We like stopped oh, yeah. in like, Cam really loves fast food. And so we plan to go to Subway for dinner. Um, I f- like am... I so much prefer like a local shop or whatever. Hey, we were balling on a budget. We right? were balling on a budget. <laughs> Cam loves his tuna sandwich on a flatbread from Subway. So we roll into Subway and it ends up being a shared parking lot with a bike shop. And every time we're in a town, we like pop into their like local shop. But here they had like 14 local shops. We just decided this one would be the one. We knocked on the door or we tried to open it. And they had a sign that was like, oh, we're closed at like 2 p.m. or whatever yeah. time it was um, for inventory. inventory. So we're like, oh, okay, whatever. Like shrug, walk away. And we like are getting into our car. And this guy like swings open the door, runs out and is like, hey, hey, are you guys okay? And we were like, yeah, we're good. What's up? And he was like, do you like, do you want to come in? We're just finishing up. And we were like, 
no, it's all right. We're just in town. Thought we'd pop in. And he was like, oh, okay. I, I mean, we're just finishing up. If, like, if you need anything, like, I wasn't sure if you needed tune up or something. Because our bikes are on the top our of our car. Yeah. And it's just like, that was just Moab, I think, in, in a nutshell. <laughs> nutshell. was just like, they were closed, fully closed for the day. Yeah. But they were like, these people have bikes. They need us. They need help. But it's a hu- it's definitely a huge mountain biking community. I mean, every single bike shop had probably like hundreds of $5,000 full suspension bikes just laying outside ready ready for rentals. So yeah. we definitely need to head back and once we get our mountain bike and feet underneath us. Oh, yeah. That's definitely a must do. But it was, it was a really cute little town. We always judge towns, basically. Bike shops and coffee shops. Bike shops, coffee shops, and like pools. pools? That's basically, <laughs> there wasn't a pool in Mob, though, I don't think. We didn't look. I don't know. We didn't look. We didn't need to. That's Maybe a, we'll fact check that later. Yeah. But uh, Mob was a really cute town it was really cool it was very western the coffee shop was super nice she like asked for a latte which is my drink of choice and she was like yeah no problem she got it out for me and she was like there's some leftover steamed milk do you want it and i was like no that's okay but thank you (laughs) (laughs) she was about to hand me just a cup of milk (laughs) they were just like everyone was super sweet everyone was really kind yeah even the subway lady told us some jokes yeah she was a little off no don't say that. She, she was very she, nice. She was very nice, but I don't know. There's just something about her. But anyways, it, as soon as you left Moab, it was like instant desert and like instant adventurous paradise, which was really neat. Well, yes. I also, we should recommend Arches to folks who are in the Go. area. I mean, I'm sure you're going to, you already have a list of parks if you're going, but yeah. Arches was far more accessible than we expected. Yeah. Um, I thought we were going to be really pressed for time trying to find like a good spot to watch the sunset. Yeah. Um, but we arrived like, like got in 30 the minutes at, before sunset. Yeah. I think we got in the park at like four mm-hmm. and the sunset's at like four thirty right mm-hmm. now. And and we were able to drive in and like everything is like a mile to two mile loop or I think yeah. Matt mentioned that the furthest one's probably like a three mile hike out and back. It's just like to delicate. Yeah. Very, very accessible. So if you're we were crunched for time and I think that was a really good choice to like grab dinner and then we ate dinner just on the road. Yeah. Our first we were planning on going to what was it Balanced Rock? Yeah. And we like drove we literally like drove past. I thought it was gonna be a hike up to the, see this like rock balance. But you just see it. But you just see it as you're driving past. So we just like made a plan on the go. <laughs> just a little wave. We were like, oh let's go and see the Windows. Windows arches. And so we like parked and this parking lot is literally like probably like a hundred yards from the actual arches. So it was very, very accessible. It was really nice but yeah definitely loved it but we pieced out of arches and then cam made me drive through the night through he literally every single time we go on any trip it's like cam drives from 9 a.m until 4 p.m and then we get dinner and then it's like oh morgan i'm tired and the sun well, is uh, setting and i have to drive at night and i hate driving at night because then you have to like <laughs> keep an eye out for deer and whatever else are out in the desert lizards iguanas armadillos baby puppies there are puppies on the road the puppies just everything but anyway can't make me drive to st george well it was it was basically toss above if she wanted to drive <laughs> during the crazy snowstorm in which she was i would white knuckling <laughs> my hands were sweating <laughs> and i'm just the passenger yeah and so 
I don't know. And then I and then she doesn't like to drive when she eats either. I ju- I can't I can't look at like the road and I feel like I always need to look at my bite before I take it and I need to keep my eyes on the road. I can do one hand driving, but I can't do like one no eat. eyes driving. That's yeah. impossible. Wow. We're not all as great as you can. Yeah. <laughs> Master driver Cameron Hackett, everyone. But she drove through the night. Mm-hmm. I, I Well, not through the night. I mean, we got there at like 11. 11 probably 1030 more mm-hmm. like into St. George. It was a very easy drive. I'm complaining for no reason. Yeah, we hit St. George that night and that's where we slept and we stayed in a really cool <laughs> hotel. We already have it pitched out for hopefully 2021 St. George when they're hosting the world champs. Yeah. Um, but it was really nice. And so then we got in late. So we just basically checked in and hit the hay. St. George was largely pretty boring. Th- that's our hot take on St. George. Hot take. They don't even have one coffee shop. Yeah. Not one. Yeah. So again, our criteria of like bike shops and coffee shops and pools, they were like honestly severely lacking. We tried to like look at the downtown and Google maps which is typically like outlined in like a yellow beige color mm-hmm. and it had like one block. So we headed down there and she had a, Morgan had a coffee shop picked out, but it didn't even turn out to be a coffee shop. It was a diner, which I'm sure would have given me like coffee to go, but not the same. It's not the same. Yeah. They don't, it's not like counter service. Like you just <laughs> order it and go like, that's what I'm looking for. And for any cyclist triathlete out there, you know that coffee shops matter a lot highly critical yeah iron man choose your world championship cities better yeah (laughs) because i mean the best i don't know where we're all gonna eat they have like two wendy's i know they had like the the thing that i mean i was also concerned when we first heard that that was announced was like coming out of nice which is a big city and um port elizabeth which is like still a a medium-sized city city. yeah Yeah, this one just seemed like a kind of smaller community and it did it was sort of like a suburban community. It seemed to be basically just a like the closest decent sized city outside of Zion National Park, which mm-hmm. is I think what they get a lot of their traffic or like tourism. Everything, and every sign was like gateway to Zion. Yeah, which is sweet. And I think if we do end up going there for worlds, we'll definitely hit up Zion. That'll be on the list. But I think you do need to consider the fact that you're bringing in. 2,000, at least 2,000 people plus whomever they have with them. I mean, honestly, probably like 10,000 people for the weekend, which is crazy. It's massive. But But like even when you look at the other races we've done, non-world races, Mm -hmm. Delaware, Ohio, far bigger city than St. George, at least like in terms of infrastructure. And like the surrounding like Columbus is there. Columbus is massive. And then, I mean, Steelhead, I think is the only one that's comparable to Steelhead and maybe Eagleman in Cambridge, Maryland. I think those are comparable to St. George in terms of city size. Yeah. Very small. I think Muncie, Muncie was probably, is probably smaller than St. George. Yeah. And, and those are places that people aren't even really coming to and staying at for multiple days. So I'm very interested to see where people, particularly pros, will go the week of 70.3 70.3 world championships in St. George. Yeah, it'll be very interesting. I mean, they they had like a decent sized convention center and like the hotels seem pretty big, but I, I don't know. It's, it will be interesting. We didn't get to hit up the actual race venue. What is it called? It's called like, I forget. It was a state park and it seemed to be the closest body of water to St. George. Oh, it's like a reservoir, I think, right? Yeah. I forget what it's called, but... It was pay to enter and yeah. again, we are... 
budget triathletes, folks. So we don't pay for the stuff when we don't have to. <laughs> so yeah, we basically went right downtown and then left. And then we left. But first, we got our car washed because it was still, you were unable to see out of any of the windows from the previous day. We like took our bikes off and I just sat on the curb with our bikes while Cam had it driven through this fancy car wash. Very bougie. They like, I mean, again, we drive this little, basically the cheapest car that you can buy today. Literally. And they like, I was like, I honestly just want it hosed down. (laughs) And and they like made sure to like hand hand dry. Every inch of this vehicle, and like at the end, it was like shining like it never had before. It looked beautiful, but uh, but yeah, yeah, that was it. And then Cam insisted on the car wash. I mean, afterwards, you can't deny it was easier no, I'm to glad see. We did it. Yeah. This is great content, loving it. <laughs> car, if you need a car wash in St. George, folks, Cam's your guy. He can recommend. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. so we left St. George. George. Yeah, and the next stop was Vegas. I the think, next, right? the next point of interest was Vegas. We really didn't stop there. Yeah, we coming in. Well, first, of all, I also wanted to touch on our, our coach wanted to make sure that we were trying to be down at like sea level for as long as possible, and from Boulder, which is like a little over five thousand feet, until St. George. I thought that again after Grand Junction, which is at like a little under five thousand feet, it was going to come straight down. And the entire time after Moab and in Utah, we were going through like times where we were back at like 7,000, 8,000 feet on this highway. Like higher than we live right now. And yeah, we didn't come down to, to sea level, I think until like Vegas practically. Yeah, I think you're right. Because you come down out of this like mountain plateau into Vegas. And I just remember coming and seeing Vegas and there was just this beautiful yellow smog cloud Ugh. just hovering over Such the city. And I was like, oh. There, that's where dreams are made of right there. <laughs> <laughs> and and then we closed our eyes and drove as fast as we could through Las Vegas. No, but in reality, we stopped at another coffee shop. And Which was underwhelming. So disappointed in it. Cam was my co-pilot. I was driving at this point in time. And I was like, Cam, can you do me a big favor? And he was like, you want me to look at coffee shops, don't you? And I was like, yeah, it's like. What time was it? It was like 2 p.m. We were just feeling good. We hadn't even stopped for lunch yet. Maybe it was a little before noon. But anyway, Kim had up like a list of like 12 coffee shops and he chose one that was like outside of, it was just like in a convention center. I mean, I was like, come on. In Vegas, there didn't seem to be very much around other than like the big touristy things. And it seemed like the like Northwest part of the city where, where was where like all of the like normal people who live there lived. Which is not where we were. We didn't want to deviate off the course too much. Yeah. I also so. feel like Las Vegas isn't really the city that you're going to get like the like local hole in the wall coffee shop that I want. Yeah. So it ended or up being like, like the super boutique bougie coffee shop that I want. You're going to get like in a hotel lobby. It was no, it was very bougie. It was like, it was just expensive. It was, it was expensive. Not- just expensive, not great coffee. She didn't even know the latte was more expensive than the flat white, which makes negative sense, but it's <laughs> fine. Um, we stopped there briefly, and then we got back on the road, stopped for lunch at my new Mecca. Which is some, I don't even remember what it was called. <laughs> it was like a, tr- it was literally like a like truck stop, like section of the road. Yeah. And it was this like beautiful, beautiful 
blue and white Greek restaurant and they had signs from before <laughs> Vegas out for like an hour literally yeah, on like, this highway every like huge four billboards. miles they were like stop in we have gyros and falafel and I was like "Ooh, I might Cam I might and he was like we're not stopping there so Cam got Jersey Mike's and I got <laughs> <laughs> and I got a gyro and some fries and he was envious the whole yeah, time. Yeah, hers was uh, way better. I mean, they like, it was so, it was totally Vegas. Like, I thought like hangover-esque almost where there were like these like fake statues. Greek statues <laughs> and like Greek flags flying. The bathroom sign was neon. Oh, it was so over the top. But their but fries, good. their fries were killer. But anyways, and then I don't think, I think that was our last stop. I think from there we went right to... The race venue, right? Yeah, I think so. I would like to state for the record, let everyone here know that the only person who needed to request a bathroom break this whole trip. It was me. It was Cam. Which is very, highly unusual because typically on our road trips, Morgan needs to stop every like two hours. Probably less. I drink about a water bottle an hour. Yeah. And uh, just that's not, it's not conducive to a nonstop drive. Yeah, but this time, which is highly unlike me, I left. we left Boulder, and I needed to pee by the time we basically hit, like, Golden 30 minutes away. <laughs> Wait, where did we stop? We ended up stopping, like, in... Oh, at a, at a rest stop, like, in the middle of the snow. <laughs> in the middle of the snowstorm, because I was in so much pain, because I had to pee so bad. <laughs> he didn't tell me that. I was, like, I was, I'm so receptive I was, to that. Yeah, I was sweating, but I had to pee so bad, and I was, like, actually getting angry at Morgan. I was like... But he didn't tell me anything. He was like... I kept my mouth shut. I kind of have to pee. And I was like, okay, well, we can stop whenever. And then we got to a point where, like, he was like, I think your arm was shaking. And I was yeah. like, do we need to stop? There's a rest stop right here. And he was like, yeah, 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 we've got to stop. And I was like, you could have said it at any point. Like, yeah. any point. So... Dumb move, but <laughs> anyways. We're learning to live together, folks. Yeah. But, yeah, I think from Vegas, we went straight to the race site, right? Um, We had a ride. So, yeah, we, had, we planned to have a bike ride in Palm Springs when we got there. So, Cam put in, um, like, a reservoir somewhere in Palm Desert, which is, like, a city very close to Palm Springs. Yeah. And it ended up being – so, this is something that I think we can just go into right now. Um, it ended up being like a gated community yeah. that you couldn't enter. And that was something which we, that was a, a big negative for me that about was, Palm Springs was yeah. that basically there were like two or three main roads, which were like highways and yeah. they had a big bike lane or a big shoulder at least. Yeah. They had like bike lanes, but those are like the main arteries. They're just like straight with so a bunch of inner, like a bunch of stoplights and intersections. And, and then they, there were capillaries. Yep out to the sides yeah um that basically just like these like little like veins that went out from each big highway mm -hmm. um into like very like they were gated communities i mean they were golf courses that very had nice. residences they were i mean i'm sure very expensive yeah um, with like fountains out there always on and extravagant lights and like they each had their own security checkpoint with always manned guards in it who i ran into later in the trip yeah um, we'll get to that <laughs> we'll get to that um but yeah but yeah we couldn't we couldn't ride on any non-main roads until right. we got out into the country um like yeah. the farmlands of this palm springs area so that was kind of a bummer for us i think was lot, that we couldn't yeah. get out onto road riding really. A so lot we, of people that we saw training were just like in, I mean, there were a lot of people in the bike lanes, 
which was nice, but like, again, it was like pretty heavy traffic. And people out there don't seem to pay a lot of attention. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we always say everywhere we go in Boulder, we think everyone's a bad driver in Palm Springs. We think everyone's a bad driver, but I just think when you're in a new area, yeah, I don't like risking riding on very busy roads out here. I think I'm more comfortable with traffic patterns and the way people drive and you know, the roads that I'm taking. So I'm more confident in my abilities to like avoid a bad situation. But when we're training somewhere, um, we always try and find a quiet area to get on our bikes or get out on a run, um, that we feel safe and we can kind of like even ride two by two without worrying about being in someone's way or making something dangerous. Yeah. But especially there too, I don't think like it's a huge elderly community like retirement. And so I don't know how, like aware they are of like, we don't want to reinforce any stereotypes though yeah but we don't want to ostracize anyone but they i don't think i mean coming from boulder where basically everybody rides a bike like and there are still issues like everyone rides right. a bike here but we always see people still cut people off or almost hit them mm-hmm. it's the same sort of thing which just be just be cautious i mean what we did on so we'll get to it but we couldn't ride in the in the little gated community, community yeah. I had planned out, and it was like a two and a half mile loop on Google Maps. I was like, "This will be great. We'll just do like five loops for a little thirty or four or five loops on our thirty minute ride. It's on this little lake in this nice community. It'll be good roads. We'll be set, and then we'll head down to the Indian Wells Tennis Gardens, which is where the check in check in and T two was at, which is like basically where the big Iron Man Village was at. So, sorry, just to interject, um, T1, T2, really quickly, we'll talk about it a little bit more, um, but this race was point to point, which is transition one and your swim and transition two and where your bike ends and your run starts were different places. Um, T1 is transition one, T2 is transition two, um, pretty intuitive, but T2 was at the tennis gardens. Yep. T1 was at this like lake that we'll get into, but yeah. Continue. Yeah, so we left from that gated community and we went to the tennis gardens because we were like, we'll just figure out on the fly. And we still we still were pretty early in our pre-planned schedule, and we got to the ten- the tennis gardens and we got our bikes off the rack. And it was starting to get a little dark, so we were like, kind of in a hustle, kind of pressed a little bit for time. But yeah, because the sun set before check-in closed which was like the first time that's ever happened super weird we checked in in the dark which was so strange but it was it was so pretty the lights at the tennis complex were gorgeous yeah the venue was lovely um but yeah we get our bikes down from the rack and we're switching the wheels out for our race wheels to like check to make sure everything's working properly so we have to like shift our bikes down into the small chain ring small chain ring biggest gear I always forget every time I ask him, he's like, I'm just going to test you and see what you do. And it's like, Cam, I just ask him for a hand here, buddy. Because on, on our car, we use a sea sucker bike rack, which we, we'll get into in, during Cam's corner. Stay tuned. But uh, but uh, that we use a sea sucker. So on the bike rack, we keep our training wheels on, just a plain old just aluminum the bike wheel, wheel you think of. Yeah. yeah. With the spokes and everything. Yeah. And uh, then we put on our disc wheels. Once we are ready to ride and race. Mm -hmm. So we were changing all that up and I got mine all ready to go. And I was shifting mine down and it was shifting fine. And then halfway down the chain ring, it stopped, stopped working, stopped, stopped shifting entirely. And I was like, uh, Cam, my bike just stopped shifting. And I use, um, SRAM axis, SRAM axis, which is electronic shifting. So it's not like, um, you're not actually physically moving a gear shifter cable or yeah, cable. 
Well, yeah, cable, but I'm trying to explain it to yeah. folks who don't know what I'm talking about. Like, you're not, like, f- physically shifting anything, like, clicking anything. You're just pressing a button yep. to shift up or down yep. um, and switch your gearing. Yeah. Um, so, it, like, stopped shifting. So, my first thought was that the battery had died. So, Cam and I switched the battery out, popped it back in. The light went on in my blip box, which is the, like, computer that, like, communicates, communicates. wirelessly with your front and your rear derailleur. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we got that working. It was shifting fine. We got our, my wheels all set up. We got everything back in working order. Hopped on our bikes. We went out onto our ride. Yeah. And like, this was what? 30 minute ride, right? Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know, just about. So 10 minutes into it, I just, it stopped shifting again. And I was like, oh, this is going to be bad. And so I like spun as fast as I could to get up to Cam where he was. And I was like, Cam, it stopped shifting again. And he was like, what? Are you kidding? And I was like. No, it's really not working. So we finished out the ride on me in one gear, Cam just riding normally. <laughs> um, <laughs> you may have seen some cool pictures that Cam took of me. He thinks yeah. he's quite the photographer. Yeah. Um, it was a very corrupt vision type post <laughs> with the wheel blur and like the perfect mountains in the backdrop. contrast, gorgeous It shot. was a very, she was down an arrow with her. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a pretty cool shot. <laughs> I had to... I have to give myself some props <laughs> for being, I think credit where credits do. I think Damn, probably well done. out of the three of us, Matt page and Morgan, I think I'm the least photog out of everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Matt's literally a photographer. Yeah. I got a five on my AP art portfolio. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Cam can barely write English. That is legible. <laughs> so that's completely irrelevant, but it's all right. Cam, you did a great job with the photo. Um, yeah. So we ended up getting back to my back back to the car, um, and we decided that we should bring it into the tech folks um, at the at T one at like athlete no, check in at, at the T2. athlete village or yeah T two sorry the Iron Man village the Iron Man village which yeah. typically they have like a tech like one of the local bike shops they have working at the event as like and they're the, always swamped they're like, always, swamped. always swamped yeah this one had like a reservation check in like thing that I guess you could do. I think a lot of them, if you like ship your bike or like if you travel with it, um, and you don't know how to assemble it or disassemble it or what have you, they can like, you can reserve it with the tech folks and they can actually like build it for you. And they have like predetermined costs on the, on like Iron Man's website, which so, is a cool thing. I it's think. a cool perk. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, the first time I literally had the first time I took my bike apart, I had cam, on FaceTime, because you weren't in the apartment at the time. Yeah. Um, I had Cam on FaceTime, and I was like, Cam, how do I do this? And it literally took me probably two hours to mm-hmm. get everything apart. Because, I mean, bikes are expensive, and bikes are delicate. Um, and it can also be just, like, really daunting to see all of the different pieces and know, like, what you have to take apart, but not really sure how. So, yeah. recommend videos for that. But also, I think this is an awesome perk that they have those folks there to help you kind of make sure everything's torqued and everything's like kind of in the right place uh-huh. some guy came up as i was checking mine in and he was like uh can someone check this and they're like yeah sure what's up and he was like 
um I just put this together for the first time and it like is wobbling and he like shook his handlebars and it was just like his whole bike just like shook and like made all this shaking noise and I was like sweet we've got to get this guy tuned up because he's in trouble um but so we left my bike with them explained what was happening typically I would only recommend using them if it's an emergency situation yes because it can be very expensive it can be expensive because they obviously charge their labor I think was $90 an hour yeah which is pretty that's steep I mean at any local bike shop anywhere else i think it's like 50 dollars an hour I thought, I thought it was like 30 at a couple Maybe. here which is yeah much much cheaper only use them if it's an emergency yeah um so like i mean even if you know somebody else racing i mean uh, athlete i mean at least we carry a ton of bike tools with us so like even asking someone like hey my seat post like bolt is actually like a little bit loose my seat post keeps dropping that's as simple as asking somebody for a allen key to just torque it quick yeah i mean we've even used just ask the bike tech people for like a allen key to torque something up quick which is an yeah. easy fix yeah they've been really helpful in the yeah past. yeah but we turned her bike in yep they what did they say oh they thought it was probably pinched cables or something like that yeah um, which is i mean not it's an possible. easy fix but it's a, it's a fix and they said they had extras available so our hopes were high yeah um that they'd be able to at least you know jerry rig it so that it was ready to go for <laughs> literally two days from when we dropped it off yeah um and then athlete check-in was a pretty smooth process um you mm-hmm. have to have your usat triathlon or triathlete id with you um i don't, I don't think that they even took they needed it here i think they just they need checked your, mine or at least your number i think i thought you just needed your id your your like actual US like driver's or license or yeah. passport id identification legal identification yeah. possibly so but you at least you need a membership whether that's a one-day membership or your annual or month-to-month whatever it is yeah. membership um which you should buy when you um register to race and another pro tip on that note if you're going to re- i think it's if you're going to race three times or more mm-hmm. in a calendar year it makes financial sense to buy the annual Annual. usat membership at least if you're a resident of the united states so yeah that's a good tip that is a really good tip i think i've bought a single day membership for times that like um the like calendar year didn't work out correctly or something there was some reason why i needed to buy a one time um but so you'll need you know your identification i always bring my annual membership card with me but Mm -hmm. maybe you don't need that if you're an all-world athlete you'll likely get your blue all-world cap um at this first section where you check in they check your name off um and then they pass you along to they give you some paperwork to read which is basically like your contract saying like if i'm hurt like you can call my mom or whatever um cam noticed that he's my emergency contact and that doesn't make any sense because i'm also (laughs) racing (laughs) oh i thought you were like oh thanks but okay I, they tell you Cam not doesn't to, even love me. We no, all tell. they they tell you to put somebody down that isn't, that is present but is not racing, which is right. like okay. So we just put we don't have anybody is um, not present and not racing <laughs> <laughs> because I mean what what else do you do? I mean your name's still on it, I think, which is helpful if they call like my sister yeah. and you're not. I mean she's not picking up, but anyway, your emergency contact. It's basically like your sign that says they can tell that person if you're hurt effectively and then a another piece of paper which is basically like if i get hurt i'm not holding iron man liable i think right um and so those are your paperwork you just like kind of check that off um every time they're like we don't need to know your weight ha 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 and i'm like okay like no one cares 
but they do need to know your allergy information and also the hotel you're staying at, which has always struck me as strange. Um, so you fill that out, check that off, bring it over to um, the second stage, which you turn that in and they give you your packet in return. Um, right? Yep. No. I, I don't know. I don't know. You're not even listening guys. anymore. Kim just no, no. tuned me out. Nah. Um, you don't get your packet there. You go to your next. They just take your paperwork and pass you on to the next one. The next stage, you get your packet, which should have your um, your actual racing cap in it. They'll write your number on it. It'll have um, some other paperwork, your stickers for your bike and your helmet. Um, and your gear bags. And then your bib number for the run as well. And your bib number. Yep. And then they'll give you your wristband there. Um, I like mine really tight, which... Like you should keep like before you get your wristband, if this is if you're entering into your first race, um, think about how tight you want your wristband. I know Cam doesn't like his particularly tight, but I like mine so tight that it like doesn't slip up and down. Um, at times, that's like giving me a little cut on my wrist during the race, but I find it's a little bit less distracting than if it bounces around. So um, personal preference, but don't be shy about actually telling the person how tight you want it. And then the next step, you get your sweet branded t-shirt and the backpack that we always pass off to someone else um (laughs) our coach's kids apparently love them so we gave them our our world's backpacks from this year and they were wearing them um i don't even know if you saw this yeah on their their little vacation yeah um so you'll get some sweet gear and then that funnels you over to get your timing chip um which is personalized to you and you'll put that on your leg before the race um and then you go through into this store, which Iron Man store, Iron Man store, which uh, lately has been pretty cool. I think every race we go to, it's been pretty sweet. We always get a pint glass, um, with the race on it. We have a collection of all of the races we've been to. Yeah. Um, or the, at least the ones that offer those mm-hmm. classes. A couple haven't, but there have been some really cool, um, really cool gear at, at these races. I think we yeah. only buy stuff if it's a big name race for us. Yeah. Um, like we'll probably buy something at Puerto Rico and we always buy something at Worlds. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's the check-in process. It's really straightforward and they're really good about um, organization and making sure that they're getting you through it really quickly yeah. um, and explaining things fully. And that's another pro tip. We checked in on Friday, which I don't think we've done before other than like at Worlds races where like typically at the smaller races, like the more local races like this one. We checked in on Thursday. No, Friday. Thursday when we got there, I thought. No, we left Thursday. And, oh, you're right, you're right, right. Sorry, Friday, sorry, so we sorry. checked in Friday. Pardon me. So, like, at this race, typically they post the event schedule, and typically, like, at these smaller races, it's just two days out. So race day, the day before race day, and two days before race day. So this one, Sunday, Saturday, Friday. And on Friday, there's basically, like, nothing other than athlete briefings, like the bike tech shop, Ironman village hours, and check-in. So I would strongly advise checking in early just to, like, hammer everything out if you're able to and especially at this race where we had a arduous uh transition check-in process on saturday both transition one and transition two it was it was highly it's highly recommended to check in on friday to save as as early as you can yeah 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 but but uh yeah then from there they funnel you into the iron man shop which just be warned everything is wicked expensive in there but the uh, the checkout this time, the iPads that they had were really, really nice and really fast. It was like the fastest I've ever checked out an Iron Man store. But although speaking of price, I think one one item that I bought at my first race, and again, I know I'm talking to you listeners as if you're going into your first race, but but I think like 
good tip wise, getting a t-shirt, one of those, like they have cotton t-shirts out front that have everyone's name on the back. Um, I think that's very special for a first race, particularly. Um, and obviously if you want to get one later on, that's a great idea, but, um, just like as a commemorative piece for yourself, I wear my shirt all the time. And just knowing that that was my first race is, is really, really special. Yeah. Um, so that's one recommendation I would make to like, think about buying that. I know it's, it's like an expensive store, but that's, I think they're like 30 bucks, which is expensive for a t-shirt, but it's still kind of like a special, a special little item. Yeah. Um, so that was the end of our first real day in Palm Springs, right? We went to dinner. Yeah. We We got pizza. Yeah. We got pizza. And we love, we always get pizza at blaze pizza, which is like a build your own pizza. It's like, honestly, Washington DC had and pizza. Matt, have you ever heard of and pizza? So it must've been just DC. It was like build your own pizza and you could just put whatever you want on it. Unlimited toppings for like 12 bucks. And I was like, this is the best idea ever. Like Chipotle for pizza. Yeah. Hello. This blaze. Also, we, another tip, at least I think pretty much every athlete should know this is we try to eat pretty bland, simple. What we're used to going up to leading up to the race. So it's a lot of like pizza, pasta, sandwiches, salads. Even like bowls like Chipotle, Cava, which yeah. is also a DC thing. So yeah. exclusively if you're racing in the DC area. But yeah, bland, like stuff you know your body can handle yeah. um, leading up to the race. I think we're very careful about that, especially when we're abroad. Yeah. Um, like in Puerto Rico, I think we go grocery shopping and we, we get like rice and own. chicken. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but then after the race, you basically go wild because then you can have diarrhea and be okay. <laughs> <laughs> No repercussions. <laughs> no reper- I mean, there are some serious repercussions on your body, but at least you won't have any mishaps during the race. Which we all know about. Yeah. At least I do. Yeah. But Oof. but yeah, um, we basically just went back to the hotel and we got our bike numbers put on. At least I did because Morgan's bike was still bike. at the tech shop. We were going to pick that up the next morning. We talked to Nick. Talked to our coach, Nick. Yep. Um, got pretty much everything ready because... The next day was honestly almost, I, I probably think it was more stressful than race day. Yeah, it was the the time in which we were given to do everything, a lot of things and travel between. Yeah, um, between like, points. Yeah, was was it was a very, very tight schedule. Yeah. So so we basically got everything. I have the calendar assembled. here if you want to look at it. Yeah. Even. So here, I'll, I'll reformat it. I'll, I'll go into the next day. We basically went to bed pretty early, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't really do anything special that night. We just got all of our run stuff ready because we had to check in all of our run stuff the next day. So that included our shoes, socks, our, like, racing hats, our race number bibs, um, and, like, any nutrition we took out onto the run. And then we also had to get um, – I guess we had to check in our bikes that de- next day and our wetsuits. So – I'll talk through Saturday at that, Indian Wells. Though note that checking in your wetsuit is abnormal. Yeah, that was unique to this is the first time I've ever had to do that. And they were worried about some sort of muscle invading their reservoir. Yeah. Um and so we had to Kim will go into it when he walks through the actual schedule, but we had to dunk our wetsuits into some chlorinated solution. Yeah. Um for like whatever a minute 60 seconds yeah, um i think it was more like 20 honestly. it was like so short but it gave them peace of mind so whatever i'll i'll take <laughs> it but um yeah that's not typical it's atypical to check in any sort of swim yeah. gear before the race yeah 
But okay, so our Saturday schedule, we woke up and Morgan went on a warm-up run. I did not. Again, I was having some hip pain, Mm -hmm. so I didn't even know, again, if I was even going to be able to finish, which I was... Another thing that we talked to Nick about the night previous, about like, what do we do if I'm not finishing and talking race strategy, all that. But Morgan, if you want to talk about your wake-up run. Oh, yeah. My fun little wake-up run. So um, we were just located on one of the three main arteries of Palm Springs, mm-hmm. um, went out for my little, it was literally 15 minutes, I think is the wake up run. Um, I think it's like 10, honestly. <laughs> 10 minutes. It's so short. Um, so I just, whatever, ran down the highway, made a right turn and was like, Oh, I'll just go to the end of this road and turn around. Um, and it's just like gated community on my right, gated community on my left, massive fountain in a place where apparently they have no water, but it's yeah. fine. Very great, great for the environment practices. <laughs> um, <laughs> great for the environment. Um, and then I got to like the end of the road and was just like, I ran into this little, like the driveway of one of these gated communities and was like turning around and this like security guard comes out, just waves his hands, throws his hands in the air. is like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm just turning around. Like, please excuse me. I'm not going to run into your gated community and wreak havoc. Like I'm clearly on a run. Also, are they that private? Like, are they that private uh, that pedestrians crazy. aren't allowed in? Yeah, I, I, I mean, if you live there and you have visitors, I don't. It, yeah, how do you like, do it? I get them security clearances to get in. <laughs> it's crazy. But um, yeah, ran past the little coffee shop that we ended up going to later in the day. Yeah. Um, ran on home. Grabbed? Did I even grab a shower yet? I don't think so. But uh breakfast we had big breakfast then we had big breakfast so our coach likes big breakfast the day before so morgan likes big breakfast until you're full and then eat a little bit more and then from big breakfast day wait we have to talk about big breakfast we did i just did yeah but that was so brief give it more credit i mean we love big breakfast i love big breakfast. morgan loves big breakfast it's like you get up you get a waffle you get some yogurt you get some fruit and some granola a coffee if you're me if you're Kim, you get a big glass of milk, some cereal. <laughs> it's just like everything you could ever want to eat. You just put it on your plate and then you try your darndest to clear that plate. Yeah. That's just, that's big breakfast day. Morgan loves it. I love it. My favorite big breakfast day of all time is Puerto Rico Hyatt House. Oh, so good. Give me some toast, some fresh fruit. A the little yogurt house. with some honey. Yeah, we stayed at a high house in Puerto Rico. It's one of the, like the recommended hotels. Mm-hmm. And the high houses, they have great breakfast. They have like personalized omelet bars. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, but it's really good. On this trip, we loved these little. Everybody had a mini waffle maker. We stayed with like the exact same family of hotels the entire trip, <laughs> and so they all had this exact same breakfast. Yeah. But it was like they had a waffle maker, and instead of the like four pieces, they were four circles. Minis. Yeah, four mini waffles. And for some reason, they were like so good. Yeah, I don't know. But anyways, for big <laughs> breakfast, we left uh, in our hotel. Um, we stayed at Holiday Inn Express, and it was and just triathlete. It was all triathletes. Central. And it's always so funny. I mean, again, we're balling on a budget triathletes, mm-hmm. and uh, so we always try and stay in like the cheapest hotel we can find that's still within like a reasonable driving distance and i feel comfortable staying (laughs) it's so funny we always always stay at the same hotel as the iron man like (laughs) the like race the race organizers (laughs) and like the race support which is clearly like they're trying to like save as much money as possible so there are these like massive vans with the orange like race support (laughs) we're like oh here they are again yeah every every race i don't know how we i mean obviously we just are 
the best. Yeah, they were the best. <laughs> but from there, we Just left kidding. breakfast and we went. We had a swim also scheduled, just like a. It's typically an open water swim, but again, we at this race, which is unusual, mm-hmm. you weren't allowed to swim in the water before, before the, the race, race in your wetsuit. So typically, we try and swim in our wetsuit in open water and like get a feel for wetsuit swimming again. And this swim is so short. We literally, it's an 800. That's and our usually coach it's has like a 15 minute, 15 minute open water swim, just like getting acclimated. If it's, um, you know, if it's a run in swim, we practice our dolphin dives and practice our entries. Yeah. Um, it's just like practice a, taking off the wetsuit. Yeah. Stuff like that. And, and the other, another pro tip is try and get the wet, your wetsuit wet before the race even if even like even if it's a borderline wetsuit swim so if it's right on the temperature cusp of either being non-wetsuit or wetsuit legal Mm -hmm. try and get your wetsuit wet because if you just need to like throw it in the shower yeah it'll it'll help put on the wetsuit and take it off and take it off Mm -hmm. easier but it'll also help like get it more snug up on your shoulders stuff like that but at this race, again, you weren't allowed to swim in the open water. So we went to um, Palm Desert Aquatic Center, which I found on, again, the Swimmers, Swimmer Finder, Swimmer's Guide. Yeah. It was a 50-meter outdoor, amazing, beautiful complex. I just remember we pulled into this place. and I literally said, this is the most expensive parking lot I've ever been in. Yeah. It had, like, the entire parking lot was, like, this palm tree forest. And they had like four palm trees separating each brick lined parking spot, like separating each car like that. It was. And there was like dirt or whatever in between them. So like each car had its own little patio. It had its own landing like parking pad. lot. Yeah. It had its own driveway. <laughs> it was incredible. Um, but yeah, the, the entry fee to this one was really cheap. Um, it was like six bucks. It was nice. And so everyone you, was there. Yeah, there were a lot of triathletes we there. We saw. Paula Finley, Paula and, Finley and Eric Lagerstrom. Mm-hmm. There, they were getting out as we were getting in. Deboer wetsuits was there, giving people a Wet chance to trials. trial them. It a was ton a- of athletes were there. Everyone was wearing their orange little wristband so you just know yeah and it was so funny the lifeguard working the front desk was like it's a little busy today and we got in and there were only like four people in a lane per long course lane and i was like oh coming from dc we used to swim at wilson aquatic center we used to swim at a 25 yard pool that had like six people six people in a lane oh boy dc yeah but wilson had (laughs) that was like a a glorious day if there are only four people in your long course lane. Um, so we really went cool. from there and then the stress started kicking in and well, I had received a text from, oh. I had received my text from the tech guys just before the swim. Um, and it was basically like, Hey Morgan, it's the blip box. Like we can't fix it. Right. Sorry. And I was like, shoot. All right. Then we had to like, then we like kicked into high gear, I think in terms of, yeah. it was more of just like, how can we get this race in the, like, how can we race in the best shape possible right. heading into literally tomorrow? So, um, we finished so, the swim and went to pick up the bike right away. Or we went back to our hotel to pack up everything because right, again, right, right. we had to pack up all of our run stuff, all of our, our, our bike and our helmet. Um, and basically all of your bike stuff other than what you're going to put it on, put on it in the morning. Um, and then, uh, well, do you want to talk about the, the bike bags and kind of what you put in it? Yeah. So I guess again, um, for the run bag, which is what we checked in first. So again, 
T2, which is where you check in your run stuff because you're transitioning from your bike to your run. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where you put your run stuff. So well, they'll the, give you three bags. They'll give you three bags yep. at check-in. One is your run bag. Which is w- red. Which is red, typically. One is your like bike bag, which or swim to bike. I think of it more as my swim bag, but it's blue, typically. And they also give you a morning clothes bag at the majority of races, I would say, which is typically white. Or gray or whatever. Or gray. Yeah. Um, so, again, in the bike bag, we put all of our running stuff in. So, again, that's running shoes, socks, running hat, running sunglasses. In your run bag. In uh, the red run in bag. In the run, red run bag. Mm-hmm. Um, any run nutrition. I already said socks. I'm trying to think of what. And your, like, race number bib. Yeah. Like a bib number. That's about it in so there. So, sneakers, socks, any nutrition you're bringing on. So, that's gels or chews or... Water bottle. Water bottle, special hydration drinks. Um, and then any head cover that you wear um anything that you need during the run you will likely not have access to your red run bag you won't confirm that on the day of your race but we didn't have access to that bag yeah typically in ironman races you will not see that run that that run red bag until Mm -hmm. you see it again during the race yeah when you're like ready to start running right um so make sure all like anything you could ever need for the run is in there yeah um I've even seen people put stuff in that they don't think they're going to need, but they might. And then they can just leave that there. Cause I mean, it's okay to leave stuff in the bag, but you can't like, you can't get right. anything else. Right. The day of the race. Th- yeah. And this is different, I guess in uh this, at least for a half distance in full distance racing, you'll probably get an, a couple extra bags for bike special needs and run special needs, which mm-hmm. you can put whatever you want in those two. But anyways, for the, this is at least for the half. And then the other bag that we packed up is the blue swim to bike bag. So on that one, that's basically you have to put your helmet in there. So whatever helmet you're going to wear for the race. And then I know a lot of people put their running shoes in that blue bag. Or sorry, not the running shoes. Excuse me. I'm so sorry. The Your biking shoes mm-hmm. um, in the blue bag because... During That's race, what I do. During race morning, this was they wanted to have what they call clean transitions, so nothing laying out and about, like loose, other than your bike. So you can't put your helmet on your bike. You can't put your bike shoes next to your bike or running shoes next to your bike, whatever, like like a lot of traditional triathlons. Literally nothing else, just only your bike. Yeah, bike and your whatever's on your bike. So your bike water bottles and your bike gels. Your computer. Your bike you computer, like that sort of stuff. Yep. Um, so a lot of people put their bike shoes in there. So, um, yeah. And then you, you had to bring your wetsuit down to T1 as well. But anyway, so we go from our hotel, from packing all that stuff up, um, which we basically have everything other than what we're taking down race morning, which we bring down in a morning clothes bag, which we'll get to later. But, um, we go down to T2, which is again at the Indian Wells tennis gardens, that and, is bike to run transition. Yep. And, and also where the finish line was. Yep. Which is pretty t- typical. And we checked in our red run bags, which basically just involved going to, it looks like, again, like a metal rod bike bike rack place because that's where you eventually will hang up your bike after you're finished with it. And you basically just knot it up to the bike pole. And so there's just a bunch of red bags hanging on these poles is what it looks like yep and you have a specified place for it so they're um, all numbered your spot is numbered on the bike rack and we were lucky in this race that the transitions very closely mirrored each other so my like your bike was almost in exactly the same place as your um run bag yeah so from there we went 
to get Morgan's bike. Yeah, and at this point, we had called oh, yeah. my... So we we're, we had thought to call... The, the people who texted me from the tech shop at the race venue were like, maybe you could call a local shop and they have a blip box in stock. To which, in my mind, I'm like, nobody's going to have a blip box in stock. Like, even our local shop in D.C. when we were there didn't have any blip boxes in stock. Like, yeah, that's, that's not pretty, something you just have, like, floating around. But It's a pretty, like specialized component super specialized and like you only get one if you're building a bike like yeah you don't you can't just walk into a shop and buy one but we thought we'd try so we called like there were like six shops in all of palm springs in like a 30 minute radius around us yeah and so we called all six of them and so each time we called one they were like oh sorry we don't but why don't you call these guys and we called those guys and they were like no we don't but why don't you call that place so we called that place and they were like mm, no we don't and then there was just this cycle and they kept telling us to call other people and everyone was like maybe manny has one at whatever this shop was called yeah and um so we get in touch with this last shop manny and, and i like tried to explain it to him and i was like hey so my blip box stopped working they said it's the box it's nothing else like, do you have a blip box? And he was like, yeah, blips. We've got them. And I was like, no, not blips. Like, which are the little buttons? I need the box, like the computer. And he was like, okay, I'll look. I don't think so. But there might be one that we can like take off a bike that some guy's trying to sell. It was like, I was like, all right, like maybe we could try it. And Cam gets on the phone and he is like, all right, so we need like, what is it? E-taps. What is it? It's SRAM Red Axis. Axis. And he was like, your shirt's Axis. And Manny was like, yeah, I'm looking yeah. at it right now. Sram it's Axis. Axis. And we were like, all right, sounds good. We walked in and the guy brought out the box that he was like, here it is. Here's the, the blip box. box. Here it is. Sram Axis. And I take one look at it and I was like, oh my gosh. Because it was just, it was a Sram Red ETAP blip box. Which the one is that, not, that's not the same. It's, it's not, not the same. It's the one that I have on my bike, which is 11 speed and Morgan's bike is 12 speed. So it just, it just doesn't work basically. and so cam was like um that's not compatible that's axe or that's red and the guy was like what and he like grabbed it back from cam and he like looked at it for like 14 seconds and then he was like oh yep you're right that's that's red it's not gonna work and i was like sir you don't know what you're yeah, doing clearly here. i had just taught him yeah. that <laughs> but uh, again like i'm really it's just like they didn't they'd never probably been they'd never seen a bike right. like that probably which so. is not like not their fault i'm sure they're a great shop but it was just like we walked in and we knew that this yeah. was like not gonna so work. that was that was the end of it and basically in conclusion i wasn't gonna be able to have shifting yeah so at that point we had basically realized that morgan was going to be in one gear for the entire duration of fixie. the race is that uh, what we call it a fixie for the day yeah it was a fixie uh well like it wasn't it wasn't a fixie dc hipsters flying around on my sweet little fixie well it wasn't a fixie because when you stop the pedals the I still rolled. Yeah. A fixie fixie is a fixed gear bike. So you're, when you pedal, you're basically pulling the chain along with you Uh and moving the rear wheel. And if you stop shifting, the chain stops moving and the rear wheel stops moving as well. So it's basically like locks the rear wheel basically. Yeah. So I was not riding a fixie, but that's what a fixie is. Sorry. Which is not triathlon related at all, but bike related. related. Yeah. Um, Okay. So we didn't have shifting. 
we realized that wasn't going to work. We decided we needed to go. We needed to check in our blue swim to bike bags, which have our helmet and bike shoes. We needed to check in our wetsuits at the same place. We thought we needed to get out on a little shakeout ride. Um, we call it a bike check ride right before bike check-in um, to make sure everything's working. We're in a gear that we feel comfortable with starting, um, which I have, I personally have started in far too big of a gear and it's really hard to get your bike going. You have zero momentum. Um, I've also started in far too low of a gear, which is less, is a little bit more forgiving than too big of a gear. Um, but also like you kind of want to find that sweet spot. So that's, um, that was our next stop was heading over to transition one, which was the swim start, um, and the bike start. And it was at this reservoir. Yeah. So it was at Lake Kahula and that was 30 minutes drive south south of the indian wells tennis garden so it was like actually pretty difficult to try and fit and like schedule everything in because and there was like zero parking yeah there, there was like not a lot of parking there and it was just kind of a i don't know it was kind of a hassle but um we yeah we got to the lake and it was like a state park again so i know some people like again you couldn't swim there and to get in the day before just to check it out it cost like six dollars a car or something i think like it was that. six bucks a person uh, it was something ridiculous crazy, yeah but uh which i guess isn't crazy i support our public lands but still yeah. kind of frustrating but uh we got there we again had to change all of our bikes over to the race wheels which would be the final time we'd have to do that um, and then we went on a bike check ride and the first like mile out of tr- transition was just like cl- basically like Shoppy. damage control. It was yeah. like some of the worst roads. It was, it reminded us of triple T basically, which is the we race were we did. holding our hi- our front hydration in so it wouldn't fly out. Our front water bottle in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was just like potholes everywhere. It was a really rough road, but then it smoothed out and we rode like probably like the first what, like five miles of the bike course? I'd say so. Which the bike course we'll get into. It's basically just like f- completely flat. So Morgan actually got really lucky to yes. have a race where her shifting didn't work. Yes. Completely flat and very straight roads, like back country and just like straight 90 degree turns. And I mean, was, the entire elevation gain was under 600 feet. Yeah. Which is something that our coach always looks at because riding out here in Boulder, we like, he literally is like, you can't get five minutes into your ride without Game. hitting like a thousand feet of gain, yeah. literally. Um, so this was a very flat, very flat, fast kind of a treat of a course yeah. for us. And yeah, like Kim said, I got very, very lucky, very lucky um, <laughs> that we weren't racing a any of a Hillier course. I think, um, yeah, this was this was a good one to to not have shifting on. Yeah, so we did that, and then we got back into transition, like the area of our car. And we got our wetsuit and our bikes and checked in our bikes, put them on the rack. And that was where, I mean, a little bit of drama happened, at least with me. On the bike racks, so we're both all-world athletes, which we've discussed. And typically, you have, like, priority racking, I guess I would say. Yeah, I mean, there's a section. You're closer to the pros. I don't know if it's, like, it's not even always priority. Yeah, it's not even, like, you get extra space or anything. It's just, like, its own dedicated rack. Mm -hmm. But... We, I like get there and the stickers on the bike rack are so close together in my Usually section. Usually they're, how far would you say? Like a, a foot? 
between stickers before yeah i don't know maybe like six inches it's enough to like fit your bike in pretty easily <laughs> and on mine I, there was not even space for like my arm and i had to fit my bike into this space so i try to fit in and i try to just cram it in i ended up like having to move the two bikes next to me just to cram it in like in my, a half an inch or whatever yeah my handlebars were they're not even that wide but our bikes were so close together that my handlebars were like overlapping the two tires, like the two tires were inside of my handlebars. Yep. On either side of me. And so it was just like, okay, well, is what it is. So I knew someone was going to have to change race morning because I wasn't even going to be able to get my bike out. Let alone Cam clips his shoes, shoes in, in and yeah. let alone getting your shoes onto your pedals, which Cam's pedals are teeny tiny, like yeah. an inch literally around, right? Yeah, diameter. Probably are his pedals and like obviously your shoes are shoe sized um so if he could barely fit his bike in with your widest part being just like a, an extra inch right yeah having an extra like three inches for shoes um it was, it was on we knew we were gonna probably have to change something um but, but otherwise i think check-in was relatively like easy yeah easy i think we, something that always bugs me is well, something that bugged me particularly at this race was that there was very low security. Um, typically, they have like actual like not even rent-a-cops, but I think like security guards I, I don't know. at the races, at least at like egress points. Right. Um, and at this race, people had just like opened part of the fence and were like bringing their bikes in. And I was just like, this is crazy. Like literally people are rolling ten thousand dollars in a person and anyone can walk in there were non-athletes in there and usually they're checking your wristband and checking your stickers to double check that it's you and it's the right bike um it's just like uh it's chaos when people are in transition who don't belong in transition um stresses me out so much i was like worried about my bike all night um we racked our bikes we dunked our suits yeah we had to dunk our wetsuits again in that like chlorine solution and, and then, then they had a had us hang them up on like this like wooden beam. wooden beam yeah mm -hmm. so then that was it and then and we hang up our blue bike bags oh yeah we had to hang up the bike bags which again i had my helmet just my helmet and morgan had her helmet and her bike shoes in yep so then from there we went back to indian wells dinner or i guess that's more palm desert area but we went back there had dinner and then pre-race meal very important i think <laughs> I think it's important, at least mentally. I usually have the exact same dinner. I try to. Um, the same dinner before every race because I know it sits well. It's not too much. I think our coach um, in our training plan is always like, eat enough, but don't overdo it because like you want to be able to poop in the morning, but not have to poop like in the middle of the run and not have like GI issues um, during the race rather. So um, Panera is our our meal of choice, sometimes a little bit of a splurge, depending on how much Cam wants to eat. Um, but we always get mac and cheese, and I always get a green goddess salad. And I try to get a decaf tea to get me all settled down, and Cam gets his sandwich, which is always the same thing. Um, and also mac and cheese. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, and then we go from there, and we just went back home and get ready for the race which is mostly mental i think yeah for so both like, of us we just settled down and it was nice this time because the sun set so early so mm -hmm. it already felt like midnight when it was only like six o'clock but i shaved my legs we got like all of our like nutrition ready so our infinite solution that we have to mix up in our bottles infinite is our 
like it's like salty gatorade and yeah. we've talked kind of about a, a bunch of the different brands there's like tailwind there's scratch we have infinite so yeah basically whatever works for you um we use infinite yeah and, and our gels uh, got our gels already yeah whatever we so this race we had to use a morning gear bag since we didn't have any supporters down there so we couldn't bring like our bags or a pump or anything so we had to like bring all of our bike tools down um our morning gear bag um so we had to like make sure like really prioritize what we could actually bring down because we basically had to turn it all over to like the volunteers and just be like in our tri kit at the end and like no shoes either. And, like yeah no shoes so um we basically it's, when you don't minimalist. have like a pit crew with you, you it's have a to, challenge yeah you have to you have to really think about what you need and what you don't so like at this race in our morning gear bag i had like the gels that I was going to have put on my bike and before the swim our nutrition bottles. I had, what else do we have? We had change like, of clothes for after change of clothes, like wallet and keys to like get in the car. Um, I think we brought just a normal water bottle each. I'm trying to think of what else we brought down. I like, I like packed everything. We had like our bike tools um, and like a, our crack pipe, which is what we call it for the disc wheel. That's what everyone calls it, right? That's not yeah, just yeah. us. It's called okay. a crack pipe. It looks, it literally looks like a crack pipe. Can we rename that? Like, can no. we come up with a more? I like crack pipe. Like a euphemism. But it disc wheels. They don't have like the normal air valves. A frosty that, pipe, like Frosty the Snowman. He has one of those pipes. Just call it a pipe. But uh, it's an adapter for a disc. A presta valve, and like yeah. typically the presta valve for a disc wheel has a little cutout of the disc, and it's not big enough to fit a typical like pump in. So it needs an adapter. Um, we brought that down. I'm trying to think of what else. Like our bike computers we had down or we had it in our bags. And other than that, it was just like our tri kit that we had on our body and like clothes for afterwards. I think that was about it. Yeah. Cause I mean, we, I that's mean, a lot, but yeah, that's about it. it. I like see it as a positive and a negative to have these, to check everything in the day before you race. It's like nice to like not be super stressed out like race, race morning to get everything assembled and ready i have forgotten things yeah many a time race yeah. morning i mean the highlight of that is at worlds in south africa morgan forgot her. which mind you we race on different days we race on different days so, so she races day one um <laughs> but she forgot her infinite her new basically her nutrition for the entire bike ride is the entire race i like was at my bike and i was like it looks good i'm ready to go i had my gels on there pumped on my tires i was like good and then i was like but i feel like i'm missing something and then i was just like scanning my bike and i was like oh my gosh both of my water bottle holders are empty like what yeah. did i do i ran out of transition and i was like damn i forgot i forgot my infinite and he was like are you kidding me he drove like f probably speeded yeah, I definitely, I rushed, and I got her infinite bottles back to her in time for the race. Thanks, but, Cam. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, like, nice to not be stressed out race mm -hmm. morning, but it's also, like, it can be kind of stressful to make sure you have everything that you need the day before. Especially for the run bag that you're not going to see. Yeah, ever again, mm -hmm. race ever again. But, yeah, and so that was basically it for that night. We got to bed at a pretty decent hour. I mean, I think this is probably the most sleep we've gotten before a race. I felt real good. Yeah. We got up the next morning at, I think it was 350. like 3.50 in the yeah. morning. And basically, we both eat pretty simple breakfasts. I have like toast and peanut butter and applesauce and some chocolate milk. And I try and force down some oatmeal and peanut butter, which ends up being like 
literally two bites. I don't know how I race. We basically get dressed, so like put our tri kits on underneath our clothes. And like this time it was a little cold, but we do that in the race morning, brush our teeth. Mm-hmm. And like for this race, we had to be checked. I mean, that's another thing. You have to be checked out. Usually by like 11. <laughs> from the hotel, which is past the time that we'd finish. So we have to make sure the car is all packed up. Race which morning. Was, uh, like okay i mean i think our worst items to pack up are our bikes yeah um, and we just like gathered every like our clothes for after the race right we're yeah. in our morning morning clothes bag our race outfit is like on um the only thing like we needed to pack up was our like toothbrush toothpaste and like yeah, our pjs yeah. yeah that was it so definitely an inconvenience but i think we make it's, it work yeah, it's fine yeah for i know for longer distance races we're gonna have to stay another night because like the award ceremonies the next day and we won't even finish until like <laughs> the the middle of the afternoon right. evening but um i'm trying to think what else did we really do race morning before well this was also an interesting race in that we couldn't drive to the, the race start. Yeah, the lake. Um, so we had, they had athlete shuttles, which I mean, uh, just regular shuttles rather. Everyone could get on them. Mm-hmm. Um, they did a really good job with this. I was, I was very, very concerned. They had like a 45 minute period on the schedule that was going to be like their shuttle, which takes 30 minutes to get from point A to point B, which T1 is T2 to T2. Yeah. T2 to T1. Yeah. Um, it takes like 30 minutes to get there and they had 45 minutes for the shuttles. And I was like, we're going to like, people are going to miss these, but we got there. Like they started them at four, right. Or whatever. Yeah. We got there at like four. No, I um, think we got, yeah. Like four thirty. We were de- definitely still like one, like the first wave. I would say we were within the first wave. Yeah. Um, but they had like literally like 25 buses, yeah. school buses ready to shuttle people. Yeah. Um, which was an adventure. I think I get, I get very, very psyched out before races. I'm so easily manipulated. I feel like I've already said this on the podcast, but like people love bragging and I think it's to hype themselves up. But there was this guy behind us who I just like, Kim, what was he saying? He, I, I, he was just like, basically he was faster than the pros is what he was saying. He was like, I never train swimming, but I'm always out first out of the water. He was like, I basically am like 28 minutes. And I was like, and you never train swimming? He was like, I only swim 3,000 yards a a week. week? Which uh, is like less than we swim in a workout. And Cam is a collegiate swimmer. So I think he's probably doing something wrong. And he was like, yeah, I basically can go a 25 minute swim, but I only swim like two to 3,000 yards a week. (laughs) He was like, I just need uh, that volume on the bike. And it, it was, he was just like, very, yeah, he was like, it, the problem is that I'm a natural swimmer, but I'm so, I need so much help on the bike and the run. And I was like, so sir, you're, you're not a good triathlete. Is that what you're just, trying to say? He was very, he was the typical triathlete who loves uh, to talk about himself. I wish I had like gotten his number and, or something so I could look him up after and be like, all right, 315. How'd he do? And Ugh, that definitely psychs Morgan out for sure. Easily. And so I found... I don't know if this is legitimate or if I just made it up the day of the race, but it works for me. So if it helps anyone out there, hopefully it does. But just sitting on the bus, literally everyone was doing this just like, I'm so good at this. This is like my element, blah, blah, blah. This whole like grandstanding, whatever. And I just like, this is so stupid. I feel so vulnerable saying this. But basically, I just like imagined that I was at the top of the bus. Cam's not heard this yet. He's looking at me like I'm a kook. I imagined that I was at like the top of the bus where like the emergency exit is. And I was like, what would this sound like if I was like up there? 
and it sounded just like this like i'm so good i'm the best and it was just like kind of white noisy and it like really helped me and i was like okay i'm good in my cookie or was that like legitimate i don't know it didn't bother. It doesn't bother me because I'm just. I don't Cam's know. just like in his mind. He's like, yeah, I only swim two thousand to three thousand yards a week, and basically I swim twenty five minute for this. No, but yeah, they dropped us off, and the first thing we did <laughs> was the bus. They got off. us lost. Oh yeah, our bus driver got <laughs> us lost race morning. So like all of a sudden we like it was like stopped. And first off, this bus sounded like a bunch of school children for some reason. Oh, yeah. Everybody was just like laughing and hollering. They're like, like making fun of the bus driver kind of. I was like, what is wrong with you people? But it's like we're all uh, literally all adults. You yeah. have to be older than 18 to be yeah. competing here. Wild. And typically we're some of the youngest people racing. So, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, our bus driver, we like get to a stop, stop sign somewhere. And she like takes out a map and I'm like, oh my gosh. And the lead bus, we were the second bus, and the bus in front of us did a U-turn. And we were like, are you, you have literally, you have one job. Yeah. There are no other cars on the road. So that was a <laughs> little stressful, there. like, where in the world are we? But we got to the lake pretty easily. Mm-hmm. And they dropped us off at the porta potties. And that was a pit stop first for both of us. Poop number two of the day for me. <laughs> you just got to get it out. Because otherwise... It's going to happen on the run. That's what happened in Nice. I yeah. pooped twice on the run. I was having... A, I, to be completely honest, I was having some GI issues too, race morning. I don't know. I like, in Nice or here? At, at Indian Wells. I think this is the first time like, I haven't been totally fine. And I think I went to the bathroom like three times before the race. Yeah. I mean, nerves, definitely. Yeah. The amount of water you drink absolutely can play into it. Yeah. The foods that you eat, the time that you eat them, like... Like literally every single thing matters. And so every race morning is going to be a little bit different. And yeah. we were also an hour later, like time zone wise, time zone wise matters to a different time zone. And so that changes everything for your body. And we had only been there for two days, right? Three days. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, I mean, literally every single piece can affect your, how you, your GI, your GI, I mean your body basically, yeah. but so yes, from there we went, we checked in, or we uh, went into the transition zone, got everything ready on our bikes. Cam's poor bike. Yeah, and so I basically made the game time decision because I knew it wasn't going to happen. I just moved my bike down to a different number. So sometimes people don't show up to a race. Yeah. Um, they'll register and then they'll not show up, and so their space will be open. Um, at the end of my rack. beam, my rack, there were like 12 open spots or something crazy. Yeah. Um, so that was like VIP people who didn't show up and 18 to 24 all war all world gold people that didn't show up. Yeah. Um, and so Cam was just like, do you think anyone will notice? And I was like, honestly, you can't get your bike in anywhere else. Yeah. So just like put it here and don't affect anyone else's transition zone. Yeah. I was and like, that's the, fine. I was I like the only bike on that entire rack, like that row, but it's still like blended in with everybody else. Because pretty... our numbers were close enough. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty nice, but I like, I clip my shoes into my pedals again, so I don't have to put them in the bike bag. Again, our helmets are in the blue bike bag, hanging up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we put like our water bottles on, our gels in our little bento box, and put our GPSs on. And that's, bento box is the like. Yeah, sorry. Bento box mm-hmm. is like, for a lot of modern triathlon bikes now, it's a little box that sits on your top tube of your bike. Which is from your handlebars to your saddle. Yep, and 
it basically, I mean, it literally looks like a bento box when you get a sushi, like go to a sushi restaurant, basically. I don't see it, but it's okay. It basically just holds your snacks. It holds your food, yeah. And whatever else. I know people who put like a tool in there or something. Yeah, you can put like a bike tool, tube, stuff like that. Um, But we get all that ready, put our bike computers on, calibrate our power meter. Make sure our hydration's on, our we tires uh, are all filled up yeah we made sure to pump up our tires and at this race we didn't have our own pumps because again we didn't have any support or anything there to take our pumps and we you can't hand them over and matt and Paige, they're looking at us and they're could have been you guys they they're, they feel sorry right now for <laughs> not coming to the race but no it, we literally don't blame we them feel sorry they couldn't have been there i know you can't hand pumps over to the the what is it called the the you can't like put put stuff in transition and like yeah but, but i'm saying like you can't put pumps into your bag oh yeah the morning clothes bag. morning clothes bag that's yeah. it you can't put pumps in your morning clothes bag and hand them over they won't accept them so you have to although i saw one person do it so but the rule is that you cannot do it yeah so, so we had to just it. use the the bike tech people in transitions pump which is fine and honestly yeah. it wasn't that crowded i was fearing that we were going to be in a line of like a thousand people like the porta johns are i think there are fewer people than we'd think who go alone yeah i think a lot of people bring a big support, a support crew. yeah and also something we were hearing a lot of folks saying was that this was a big first timer race yeah um and so i think for your first race it's even more rare to show up alone yeah um and be like your own pit crew so yeah there's that so that was basically it we grabbed our wetsuits yeah because we needed to take those down um i double checked that my helmet was still where it was supposed to be oh i didn't even look at that i should have um, because my helmet i completely had lost my helmet coming out of the water and i'd like ugh. i yell i like yelled at one of the volunteers i was like where's 166 or whatever my number was and he was like <laughs> uh, uh i think it's down here and i like finally found it the volunteers are always so good at these races yeah, shout like huge shout out to the volunteers because they are like miracle workers mm-hmm. the whole day and i think we'll get to it when we talk about the run but like the people who come out for these races, it's just, it's amazing. I think they're mostly community people. A lot of times they're like sports teams that come and volunteer. I've seen Girl Scouts do it, Boy Scouts do it. And I just think it is like so appreciated by yeah. the athletes because we couldn't do it without them. They're not paid. Um, they just kind of do it for like the free food after I think and just like <laughs> feeling like they're a part of it. And the t-shirt. Yeah, they got a sweet T-shirt. That's true, um, but I just think it's it's a really cool way to be involved with um, a pretty cool event. Yeah, and from there we went. Back we to found the, a little spot. Yeah, our own we, little. Home. I think we used the porta potty one more time, mm-hmm. and then we found a little spot. Morgan went on a run, like a warm up run, which like, was lovely. I mean, the park was gorgeous. Yeah, I like ran down this dirt road. Yeah, um, there ended up being like a campground at the end of it. I watched the sunrise over the little reservoir. It was very serene yeah there was just a lost shoe on the road and some old lady walked past and picked it up and i was like girl leave that there like that's refuse that is garbage like you do not need that (laughs) but whatever yeah and again i didn't run because my hip we couldn't do a swim warm-up so we just like put our wetsuits on and stretched out as much as we could yeah i did some lunges saw lionel sanders yeah that's right while we were putting on our wetsuits lionel was like five feet away from us just like out of the blue his wife is the ultimate pit crew yeah she's that the woman goat. she's amazing yeah he was like like on race day cam and i i think because we're both racing we try really hard to like be 
supportive and like helpful to each other but if it's like just like for my first race at puerto rico i think the first day i was like cam where's my blah 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 like help 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 like very quick very stern i feel like lionel was just like shouting things at her like ah i need help zip me up water like pour water down my wetsuit oh, oh that was I funny yeah so. pour water down my wetsuit and then some other lady came up and was like excuse me can you pour water down my wetsuit we were no, like no just she just zipped her up oh yeah but either way she didn't know who she was yeah this poor like age grouper came up to lionel's wife and had no idea who she was but but i don't even think poor age grouper because i i when we were watching it i was like no she definitely like gets it she gets it and she loves it like loves helping people um spirit of triathlon yeah yeah that is like largely the spirit of triathlon but yeah so then the swim start again it was a rolling start which again means you self-seed what your projected swim time is and they have like waves think about like a marathon your projected marathon finish time they like corral you based on that Mm -hmm. and then at the very end of like this big long corral there's four like gates and they basically send you off after you cross this like timing mat which is somewhere buried in the sand yeah and yeah it was cold so again the pros got a swim warm-up yeah um they got to acclimate to the water which is typically what you want to do because wetsuits are designed to get wet um you get water in them and then that warms up because of your body heat and it's like a layer creates like a a boundary layer layer and also some insulation yep and this also helps it to like move up on your shoulders a little bit more Mm -hmm. um but the biggest thing of this race which we didn't find out until we hit the water was the water temperature was like 57 to 59. I, I will say it seemed like other people were better informed about just how cold it was going to be because yeah. I was lined up with folks wearing those like neoprene caps that like hook under your jaw. Yeah. Almost like water polo caps. Do they have that? Uh, or rugby caps? No, yeah, what water polo does. Water, water polo, polo does. it's like a thicker cap and then it like wraps around your jaw like a helmet almost and yeah. then you put your race cap over top of that and i guess that's warmth but then there were also people wearing which i want to get your thoughts on i didn't even talk to you what, about this. swim gloves gloves and socks yeah swim gloves and swim socks they were neoprene socks and yeah. i was like that's like flippers hello i don't know i don't think they act like that though no are they more drag i think they i I, th- I would assume it's comparable to when you wear socks and you swim like real socks. socks okay where it's like uh, like not or like when you wear shoes i would f- i would feel like that's the mm. same sort of i can't feeling. imagine that that even keeps you much warmer i've never worn them though but i, I have no idea that's something we can test out buddy yeah so it um, was real, yeah, real you cold. hit the water yeah. and again you couldn't warm up so you hit the water and instantly it's like this shock phase and lionel sanders on his youtube even said that he like went into like this hypoxic state where he's gasping for air he's like i would not to be like annoying but i think i probably went into that too because i was like taking a breath every every single stroke and like couldn't get a good breath of air i like swam with my head above the water for a little while because i was like i'm gonna drown yeah it was i mean when i hit the water it was it's definitely the coldest water that i've ever swam in and basically the first 200 meters it was like i need my face to go numb or Mm. i'm gonna have to stop swimming because it was like it was almost painful and it was like headache inducing it was just not pleasant i thought i was gonna dnf in the first 200 like in the first two minutes of this race i was like i I think i need to like put my hand up like i don't think i'm gonna finish this (laughs) i was scared like genuinely afraid but then uh, like everything goes numb like you said like hands feet face all numb 
Um, and then like the swim went faster, like felt faster than any other swim. I feel like I was just like, end, like yeah. get it over with. Yeah. I think my, my face, my face went numb eventually. And then it was pretty, pretty smooth sailing from there. Though the, It was a nice swim. I mean, yeah. really no waves, no current. It was yeah. like a pretty small reservoir. So it was yeah. kind of like, um, we basically swam the border of the reservoir yeah. in order to get yeah. all 1.2 miles of the swim in. Yeah. And so then, yeah, we exited the water. Um, and, and this is something we should go in depth into, into like transition and the process that it, yeah, out of like T1 transition. I also wanted to talk about, uh, Morgan, you mentioned DNF before. So quick vocab for everybody yeah. out there. Wrote down some vocab. So DNF stands for, um, I think it's does not finish. Yeah. So that's did not finish. Did not finish yeah. Whatever. It's basically you didn't finish the race. So started, as long as you, you started the race, finish. you can exit at any point during the race. Um, and it counts as a DNF, a DNS as in Sierra that is did not start. So that's if you registered for the race and your timing chip never crossed that first marker. And then the last thing we can think of is a DQ, which is a disqualification. And that's like you do something that's against the rules. So that's like, I think if you get so many drafting penalties, so many litter penalties on the bike, um, I'm trying to think of on the run. I don't, I, Probably like cutting the course. Cutting the course. That's that's a good one. Pushing, so, like being like aggressive. aggressive. That's yeah. Pro- I mean, these are just like things I'm making up right I now. I think like dunking again, like those sort of violations yes. on the swim. If you get so many of those, you're also disqualified. Stuff like that. But so we make our way up to or out of the water and at this race it was a, honestly a pretty short commute from the edge of the water until you had to strip your wetsuit off mm-hmm. so at most races you have a kind of a longer run up to where you actually take your wetsuit off and this one you come out of the water and you basically take unzip it throw your arms off and normally you pull it down to like your waist and then you start running yeah you we take our caps and goggles or cap and goggles off, off. hold them usually in for our me right it's hand. my for me it's my left hand or whatever, whatever hand you want um and then you have a velcro and a zipper in the back so there's usually like a tail for your zipper so you grab that um and then peel it off of your shoulders and keep holding on to your cap and goggles so that stays inside of your um wetsuit sleeve but then yeah you're right like pull it down to your hips as far as you can go and then you have two options at this point kind of yeah, yeah, once you like hit the top, usually yeah. there are wetsuit strippers um, who are you kind of like lay on the ground and give them your feet and they yank your wetsuit off. Yeah. Um, and then the other option is just to take it off yourself. And we opt for the latter. Yeah. Um, and we kind of run all the way back to wherever the designated spot is. In this race, we had a spot right by our are hanging blue bags. Um, yeah. So most races it's in transition right next to your bike is your like yeah. quote unquote designated spot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I grabbed a seat and tossed my helmet and shoes out onto the seat and I stay standing for the entire race. Some people will sit down to take their wetsuit off or put shoes on. And I don't do that because I, um, am honestly a little bit afraid of like if I'd get back up or like what that would do to my muscles. Um, so I stay up, I took my wetsuit off and then you step on one side and pull your leg out, your opposite leg out, and then step on the other side and pull the opposite leg out. Um, so at this point you have your wetsuit off, um, and you grab your, um, your bike shoes and your helmet. I put my helmet right on, um, and I grab my bike shoes 
and you toss your wetsuit into the blue bag that used to have your helmet and shoes and you we at this race ran it and threw it across to um kind of catchers yeah. and then in a normal race you would just take your wetsuit off and put it right next to your bike hang it on yeah, the hang on the bike rack bike rack um i don't run with my bike shoes i think that's not advised for this part of the transition process right would you agree? What do you mean? Like run with them on my feet. Oh, right. You, she because runs, you can slip and slide. Yeah, she runs with them on. I hold like, them. In, in her hands, yeah. yeah. And then she puts them on at when she hits her bike. Yeah. Whereas I already have my bike shoes clipped in, so I'm just running barefoot the entire time. And this transition area was completely asphalt. It was terrible. Which was I was like, telling Matt and Paige earlier, it was as if they had just like, it was just glass. Yeah, it was, it was just really lava. rough. It was so bad. My yeah. feet were like, and it was a long time that you were running on this blacktop. Yeah. Um. Really long. Yeah, it was painful. And I, I, I still have a like slice on my big toe from apparently running at some point on the blacktop. They always, every race they try and put like, they're like, oh, we have a mat to run on. Like what was, oh, nice. We like ran out into the water. The swim entry was oh, like pure rocks. On these huge, like medium sized rocks. So not big enough that they wouldn't hurt and not small enough that they wouldn't hurt, but just big enough to like really get into your inconvenience. Feet. Yeah. Oh, it was so bad. And they were like, oh, but we have a mat at the swim start. And we were like, you don't have a mat at the swim start. They had a mat for like two up people. And, yeah. <laughs> and then up until like two feet from the water. So you at any point you like you had to run on the water or on the rocks anyway. Yeah. But they always try and like make a selling point that they have a mat. Yeah, but it was painful. And then you grab your bike. We grabbed grab our, grab bikes. our bikes, head out and out. And then there's a mount line. And you have to get on your bike after, after that mount line. You can't mount your bike beforehand or that's a penalty, right? Or is it a DQ? It's technically a penalty. So you got a penalty for that, um, which I think can be like minutes, right? Yeah. Um, so you mount your bike after the mount line. This race, we had like a pretty big uphill at the very at start, the very start, which was, it wasn't big. It was just, it was like steep, steep. short yeah. and steep. It was like 50 yards of steepness. And then right into the crazy, crazy rough road just for like a mile. Yeah. Like, but it was just so bad. Yeah. And then you basically just start out on the 90 degree, uh, completely flat, flat roads. Very and boring. Just yeah. farmland. This reminded us of Miami man. In, quite a bit yeah in miami florida which very was flat USAT, long course nationals farmlands palm trees but boring 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 yeah, it was pretty at least had a mountain backdrop which was nice to look at yeah that's true i didn't look up much but when i did i was like ah, oh, we're like surrounded on all four sides yeah it was pretty the there's like one hill like what do you think seven to ten miles in yeah it was right at the 10 mile um so that and then otherwise, there's like three U-turns that you have to make during the bike course. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, it was pretty... It was pretty and then uh, your favorite part, don't forget. Yeah, so the coolest part of the bike course, which is actually I thought was actually pretty cool, was... And came at the perfect time. We listened to Eric Lagerstrom and yeah, um, Paula's Paula video. I would highly recommend looking at their vlogs because I think they're pretty well done. As well as uh, Lionel Sanders. He has a good take on the race as well. Yeah, which we'll also talk about a little bit later, later when we recap their races. Um, but he, Eric, was like, it came right when I needed it. I was getting so bored, bored. of the country, and I couldn't agree more. I think it was about, right before I was like, it can't come soon enough. It was about at like mile thirty-five to forty, I think, and it was a uh, like a, uh, like, it was like a true racetrack. It wasn't like a nice NASCAR racetrack. It was like a 
like Formula One. It is more similar to that. And yeah. so it was really cool to whip around that track. The uh, whole time I was on it, I was like, Cam's probably flying. He's probably like banking all these corners. Yeah, it was Shooting cool. the hypotenuse. It was, re- it was really cool. <laughs> the racing lines. The racing lines, he calls them. Yeah, it, it was really cool, though. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was, was very, very nice cool. roads throughout there. And then you got back onto the semi-rough roads of the country. But and, those were short-lived at that point. And yep. then you got onto the highway. Into like the actual city of La Quinta in yep. Indian Wells. And that leads you right into the tennis gardens. Um, I almost, I told you this, I almost got off my bike and stole someone's dog. <laughs> I passed the cutest dog and I literally like got out of arrow, turned my whole body like completely around and was about to be like, what's your dog's name? But I didn't. And next time. The coolest part of my bike, well, other than the racetrack, I got to ride with Chelsea Sidero for quite a quite a while which is yeah. pretty cool she she ended up getting third in this race but that was pretty neat she it's was the, very cool to race with pros i think to yeah. have them out there with us yeah especially i mean for me it's like i i almost wish that the the pro women got a little bit more of a lead because the age group men that i was racing with we were right in the thick of all of the pro women like the yeah. top three pro women all like 10 of us were all there with them which is i think frustrating on their part just because like we're in their way and and they deserve a the clean same, course. Yeah, they yeah. deserve a clean course. That's a great way of putting it. I think we've very recently in triathlon news, there was, have you seen this? Mm. Um, there was a male age grouper who sprinted to beat the female winner oh. pro and he broke her team. That was who, Kelsey Withrow, right? I think so. And I it was just like, race it was. why would you do that? Like, yeah. sir, you got like 20th place it, yeah. overall, whatever it was, but just like, Give her her credit. Like, that's so frustrating. That, and that's kind of what I feel you're trying to get at. That happened to me in Eagleman last year. I was the first age group across the line. And the third place female pro was, like, literally a second behind me. Mm-hmm. And I literally turned her, and she had her, like, support biker or whatever following her. And I was like, are you in third place? Like, do you want to finish and, like, break tape or whatever? And she was like, no, just keep going. Huh. And I was like, yeah. I was very strange. Cause I was like, that's I was nice, willing though. to. I mean, give it up to her and like because if she wanted to break the tape that's fine i would like let her go through in the finishing shoot but she was like no let's race and so i huh. i raced her that's kind of neat wanted. though i mean that's special i think she wanted to have the mental push all the way to the line too and actually race somebody so I definitely definitely feel bad but uh yeah, but yeah least, so they deserve a clean course too my bike at least i'll hit on it just real quick mm-hmm. my bike was pretty interesting in that I got out of the water in a group, pretty decent sized group, and like five of us like broke away from the group, and then I just wasn't able to get away all day. It was basically I would make a five minute surge of like 310 watts, which is way above my planned like race power output, and I just wasn't able to break away from these two other guys. So I basically rode in a group of three, so I like passed them for like five minutes, and then one of them would pass me again. It well, you just... put in a concerted surge, is what you said. Yeah, you know, like, and I think that's important to note. Like on a flat course, you are pretty able to hold a constant power. Yeah, and like we have very clear power goals for race day set by our coach based on our FTP and our training up to that point, and I think you putting it like you what'd you say you surged to 310 310 yeah and that's like putting in a surge like that is try like that's trying on your yeah, body yeah i mean i did that like like probably six to eight times throughout mm-hmm. the course of the race and i just literally could never get away from these two other guys 
So, and then <sighs> after the race, after the race, one uh, of the guys came up to me and he was like, thanks for pulling me today. And I was and like, and that folks is why your girl Morgan calls everyone out on drafting. Yeah. And I'm just it like, frustrating, you but can't do that. This isn't a pulling people a long race. Yeah. It was the first time that it was more like an actual bike race. Like I felt like it was with the pros because the pros typically they all ride around the same power and they're typically in groups all day long. Like nobody truly breaks away. Typically at least mm-hmm. like, and when you think back to like Kona this past year, with Jan and Tim O'Donnell and Alistair, was it Alistair Brownlee? Uh-huh. They were in a group of three all day long. I think and they were, Clavel, right? I don't know. But they were basically just rotating who was in the lead at any time to like help along. And, and I will say, sorry, I will say, even though they might not have claimed to have been drafting, there is still a benefit That's at, say. at, uh, outside of the draft 12, zone. Outside, yeah. Like at a legal distance, there is still a benefit, which, Towards the end, I definitely felt Chelsea was behind me, and I was at the end of this big pack of, like, the top age groupers, mm-hmm. and there were, like, 12 guys ahead of me, and it was basically, like, again, I relate it to, like, a pool, whereas, like, if 12 people ahead of you are just running in the pool, and then you're just, like, lift up your legs behind them, you're going to get sucked along with the water right because the water is already moving that way so even if you're still at a legal distance yeah so it i mean that was how we rode all the way into transition so i had a very similar experience with um a small group on my bike as well i think a large part of the reason that we were in big packs was because it's so flat flat fast and it was like right turn city and yeah. i think that is like you slow down every single time you go into a 90 degree turn. yeah and that was that was what was so fr- i mean the one time i would think there was the most movement in the entire like pack of age groupers that i got out of the water with was that one hill 10 miles in yes i we, agree we dropped like three guys instantly who just like couldn't maintain the power up the hill because mm-hmm. it then becomes really about power to weight ratio and and then yeah. you also had a little bit of a descent on the way down there. I mean, yeah. it wasn't huge, but you had it. Yeah. There were a couple of piece, a couple of segments of the course where you could get that kind of like, you could pull away and you could see really who could hang. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't a lot. It wasn't a lot. Yeah. And I think I was telling you earlier that I had a group of three guys that like the same thing where like, I would literally be like it like after a right turn or whatever, 90 degree turn or U-turn, whatever it was, I would like be behind him and I would be like, shoot, like I might, I'm in like draft danger. Mm -hmm. Right. And so in that scenario, as we've talked about before, my reaction is to surge and pass them because like clearly we're going the same power right now. If I can get enough ahead of them that they're out of my draft and I'm out of their draft, I can stay, I can maintain this. Right. Right. (laughs) It didn't turn out that way because I would surge and pass them. And then like, 15 minutes later the like crew of three who were like four feet behind each other would surge past me and i was like you guys you're breaking all the rules yeah and i always call people out cam gets so mad at me because i like i always call people out like at miami man there were these two dudes who were like literally front wheel to rear wheel and i was like this is not draft legal like you guys are drafting and i like read one of their numbers and i was like one one two i have your number and he was like okay 103 i have yours and i was like i'm not doing anything wrong (laughs) okay (laughs) like great i'll like it'll be confirmed that like i called you out on drafting hello um but i just hate it so 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 much um but then i eventually ended up beating those three guys and i was like if you can't 
if you, you have to have a race plan and we've talked about race plan a million and a half times already in just two episodes, but like you need to have a race plan. If you're not going to stick to it, you're going to bonk. And that's exactly what happened. I passed them on the last flat, which was like, I guess it wasn't really a flat. It was like a little bit of an uphill that very last, like 15 miles. Right. Yeah. I passed them and then completely dropped them. And it's like, you're gonna, you're going to bonk if you don't stick with your race plan. Yeah. End of story. So then, yeah. So coming into transition, it was pretty smooth sailing. And then grassy transition. Yeah. It was nice grass, which is the same thing as a parking lot. It was like this pristine, like golf course grass almost. But then from there you run out of the tennis gardens on like the parking lot. We don't talk about transition. We have to walk through transition. So Uh, you run in with your bike, run with your bike, rack it up. You put it, hang it on the, the, your spot, assigned spot in transition. Which is where, at this race, our run bags were hanging. So yep. I yanked that down and dumped it out. Yeah. Um, you can go ahead. No. And then you, like, dump out your stuff. You, I mean, I put on my socks, my shoes, and then I basically grab everything else and start running. So, yeah. So I grab my sunglasses, my hat, my race number belt, and my gel. And then that was pretty much it. Yeah. And then we run out of the tennis gardens through like the streets leading into the parking lots, and you basically hit the main one of the main roads, and what? Go ahead. Mm-mm. What? Nothing. And then you get into the the actual golf course, and so there's just like this really steep hill going up that's like dirt, and it basically just becomes like a cross country course from there. Um, and it's a lot of like, it was a cross country course the whole time. I was just thinking like, this reminds me of high school cross country, just like running around a golf course, grass to dirt, to pavement, to sand, to sand. Yeah. Just like, Oh, when I initially saw the course map, I thought that it was going to be difficult because at steelhead, we had run on a golf course as well. And the path was very thin, very narrow, and it was very hard to keep your momentum. It was a lot more of like a rolling hilly yeah. environment. This one was like hill, downhill, and then you have a flat. It was like much yeah. much more manageable, I think. Like at Sealhead, yeah. we had to go through this golf course and it was like you had to like come to a stop and like physically slow yourself down as if you were running like shuttle sprints through this golf course. That's how sharp the turns were. Whereas here it was very much like you could keep your momentum. So it was pretty nice. Um, the aid stations here. Yeah, and the golf course were amazing. They were fantastic. They were the best aid stations I've ever had. I like our bibs have our like our numbers have our name on them too, along yeah. with our number. And like Puerto Rico is one place that I think of where transitions are or rather um aid stations are awesome like there's one lady who i always think of she has a megaphone she has her visor she's always like let's go morgan you got this girl and it's like yes i've got this and this race was so similar like i vividly remember they always shout out what they have and it's like gatorade water red bull yeah whatever um and it's just like every single time I would like make eye contact with someone and point to them. And they'd be like, water. I'd be like, water, grab it, toss it back. And they're like, let's go, Morgan. Let's go, one, five, three, or whatever my number was. It's just like so cool. I love the cheering on. I love the aid stations. I, yeah, I, th- I think a pro tip for the aid stations is at least what I do. I always shout out what I want. Yes. Or you tell the first person in transition what they want. And typically they echo it back or like telephone it back. Or be like, if you're like ice and they'll be like, last, last 
station. Yeah, they're like, last station. Yeah, they're I, really, really good. Yeah, I'm always just like, Gatorade. And then, like, everybody else holds down. Like, they drop whatever. They, they have, like, their water or whatever. And, like, the Gatorade people will hold it, like, extra high. And shout, Gatorade. It's Gatorade. just so it's good. A, yeah, it's just. It's, like, the best experience. That's the whole reason why race aid stations. <laughs> but the run was two loops. Um, uh-huh. And, yeah. It was, it was nice, and you go through, the majority of it is on the golf course, I would say, and then you finally get kicked back out through that steep hill, and... Back down it. Back down it, yeah. and then you kick back onto the main road, and then back up to the tennis gardens. You literally run all the way back to the finish line. I'm talking like you're 20 feet from the finish line, Yep. and they make you turn around. I considered it. <laughs> it was like like typically it's there, too close it, it was it was like almost cruel it was uh-huh. it was really close i've never seen a race that close come to the actual finish line to like you loop. almost touch the red yeah like, you literally like you can like the red carpet is like literally f- like a couple footsteps away from you at this race mm-hmm. and you ran it Cam oh yeah ran. sorry sorry yeah. yeah so i come off of my hip thing all week i actually was running this time i Every time we see each other out on the course, like even on the bike, on the bike, more often I think it's Cam being like, you got this, Morgs. And I'm like, okay, I can do it. And then on the run this time, I every time we see each other, I'm like, Cam, I love you. And everyone else around me is like, do you know that guy? And I'm like, what do you think? Hello? And I'm always just like very nonchalant. Cam doesn't even act like he knows me. That's, I think, why people ask. Because he just like runs and he high fives me. And I'm like, hello? <laughs> I just used up 200% of my calories that I just <laughs> took in cheering you on. You got a little burst of energy. My pace goes down two minutes per mile. Yeah. She's in that <laughs> case. But yeah, I was, I was actually running. I felt good enough to run, at least at the time. I was basically just motivated to finish the race at this point. Mm-hmm. But I guess the, you did a great job. Yeah, you the highlights it. of the day yeah. was there's this one guy who was wearing these pink vapor flies, and he apparently was on on track to beat Lionel's half marathon time, and he flew by me. Crazy. He was. Did a, he have his hair out? Yeah. Just free flowing. Free he flowing. He was like a long haired person. Long haired, and, and he, he was just like. He was thriving. going so fast. I never see. He ended up winning the overall age group, and yeah. Pretty quick guy. And then the only other highlight I had to say about the second loop was there was just this other guy who was wearing these vapor flies, and we ran together, and he really pushed me. I don't even know how I ran. We I, we just both surged together at some point, and we were really racing. It was just really great competition here. Yeah, it was very competitive. Yeah. Something we've talked about a lot, that this was outside of a world's race. I think this is the most competitive race we've been to. Yeah. And I feel like this season, that's kind of been the rule, and I'm wondering if that might be – just like the general direction of the sport the sport is going in yeah i don't i don't think so i think it definitely has a big part to do with where we're living now like mm-hmm. the west coast races are typically more competitive yeah. due to financial standards and probably like weather the way of life yeah um but yeah um so yeah after the race we well, both can yeah. i give my run yeah yeah go ahead um yeah so i left transition with two girls in my age group um, one of them, Go ahead. one of them, one of them like flew past me going like six thirty pace. And I was like, I'm not going to catch her. And I was like, I might just be in second place. And then the other one came up behind me and was like, wow, I'm finally starting to feel my feet. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've just gone three hours without feeling my feet at all. 
And that was the moment I realized I'd been numb the entire bike. Yeah. It was crazy. It was and just so, so cold all day. It was so cold all day. We didn't get any like sunlight to warm them up, but we did get a little sun on the run a little bit. Um, and then I started out on my run within the first mile. I cheered Paula Finley on in her second loop. So she must've just finished like right as I had started. Um, and then again, aid stations were great. I felt like I was going really fast and I couldn't get my heart rate up. And the night before I had asked Nick, cause I've been training faster than my race pace in a lot of the race pacing workouts we do. Um, and I was like, Hey Nick, like what pace do you think I should be going? And he was like, just focus on heart rate. Don't worry about pacing. Like use all the metrics, but like just focus on your heart rate goals. Um, and I kept looking down and I was like, I'm going really fast. Like, am I going to be able to maintain this? And then I maintained it. I was really proud. Got a PR. Yeah. This is definitely the first race. I think both of us noticed the altitude. Yes. So typically, at least most of the races this season, we have noticed it just in the swim, but this time the bike and the run, it was really easy to breathe. So that was really nice. But yeah. We both finished. Um, Huge PR for me. Yeah. Did you have a PR? No. Just first cam got first age in, in his age group. Yeah. But we didn't, I didn't even know what place I had gotten and we didn't know what place Morgan had gotten. So we were like, went like 30, cause again, we didn't have anybody. We didn't have our phones. They we were like our in phones, our morning clothes. Our morning clothes like, so yeah, we like waited for like 30 minutes until we, we saw like, what place we We have were. no idea. We could have gotten last overall. Yeah. So we went from there and we went and they had in and out burger at the finish line. Which Cam really wanted to try. I really wanted to try, but I am going to report that it was very underwhelming. So. Yeah. So there it is, my public opinion of In-N-Out Burger. I think Five Guys and Steak and Shake are better. So. Five Guys, make your way out to the it's West It's out Coast. here. No, it's out really? here. Really? Yeah, it's in Boulder. All right, well, we got to get some Five Guys, I guess. Yeah. And then... Going after this, <laughs> <laughs> And then... So many sponsorships. What else? We basically just got our morning clothes bag. We got changed. We got our bike stuff from Bike Checkout. Um... And we saw Paula and saw Paula Eric. Saw Paula and Eric, and they and were... Who? Lionel? No, who? Oh, Elise? Elise. Elise I keep wanting to call her Erin, which I know is wrong. But, yeah, we saw all of them, wished or congratulated them, because we knew at that point Paula had gotten first mm-hmm. and Eric had gotten second. Mm-hmm. And Chelsea, who I basically raced the entire day, she got third. So that was a cool race. It was cool just to like be up there and see it all unfold, which is always cool in pro races. And then, um, yeah, we checked out our bikes and like packed up the car and we basically just had some time before the award ceremony, which is where the real drama unfolded. The real drama. And that was like later that evening afternoon. Um, but yeah, the award ceremony, we both basically went up and got our awards and like shook all the hands of everybody up there. Everyone, when Cam went up, everyone was like, shook his hand. And they were like, hey, congrats, man. Hey, are you going to take your world slot? Every single time. Yeah. So all of them, all like five who were up there. So again, this, this race was broken up. It had 40 world slots for New Zealand in 2020. Mm -hmm. And so those are broken in half. Um, So the men get 20 and the women get 20. And then they are then broken up. Every age group gets one automatic slot and the rest are divvied up based on like participation in the race and for this race as well there were extra slots for women for try yeah 25 extra slots on the women's slots side which which are i think divvied up the exact same way divvied up the exact same way so one automatically and then 
the rest are divvied up based on participation. So, so after our awards, then they do slot roll down, which typically they do awards like youngest to oldest, and then they do roll down from oldest to youngest. So we're always there until the very bitter end. Yep. So go ahead. We bookend the scenario. What am I saying? The, how, the, how, the so it went well. I mean, I don't want to bury the lead. I got my slot, which is super exciting and was really yeah. my main goal going into this race. Um, very, very hyped. We'll be going to New Zealand in 2020 yeah. Thanksgiving weekend. So, yeah. Um, yeah, we're pretty excited about that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's an exciting process. We always question the math that is done behind the scenes to see where slots go. We ended up with a total of four world slots. Um, my age group, group, which is like a lot, I think. Um, and so it ended up being the first place girl in my age group, me. And then I think the, I think it was like fourth and six. six. Yeah. Um, and the sixth place girl recognized me, which was really cool. So I think we've raced each other a couple of times. Um, which is something we've kind of talked about with other folks, but, um, I think it's really neat how small the triathlon world is. Yeah. We saw, um, two people who we met in Nice at this race. They live in Denver. Um, and it's just always good to run into friendly faces and just like kind of have someone to cheer you on before, after, during the race. Um, yeah. So Sixth place, we, I guess we know. Yeah, just moral of the story, for roll down, just make sure you... Stay. Yeah, make sure you stay. The sixth place girl, even, like, when she was like, I heard your name, and I thought, like, maybe I have a... like A shot. A shot, yeah, because they were doing roll down. She was like, oh, this is my age group. I'll come back. She said she was literally sprinting back, and she heard her name, and she raised her hand. She's like, okay, I'll grab it. Yeah. So, I mean, stay. In a couple of the male age groups, there were some people who down it like 20th place who got slots so which is just i don't understand yeah moral story just stay if you want a slot there's a honestly a decent chance that you're gonna get one so um yeah and then from there we booked it out of palm springs after we got our slot and paid the huge deposit for the race which you have to pay on site yes so make sure you bring a credit card and then yeah we booked it to flagstaff hung out in flagstaff that was a pretty cute little town. Yeah, very small. We ate at a diner. Yeah. It was very, very cute, though. Yeah. Good coffee, lots of coffee shops. A couple, couple of good, good bike, bike shops. shops. <laughs> yeah. Then from there, we went to Durango, Colorado on our way back home. And lots again, of bike shops Lots there. of, a ton of bike shops, ton of great bike shops, huge mountain bike community, good coffee. <laughs> so the perfect town. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was a great city. I highly recommend that one. And then we got back home. Yeah, a so, really good trip. Yeah. Lots of successes. Um, we both, I'm really proud of us both for our mental fortitude because like with the shifting, not working and your hip, I think both we of us finishing it. that yeah. race is a feat. And then the success that we had, I think is really speaks to the, the mental and physical training that we do, um, in the race lead up. Yeah. Anything else on the race? No, I think that's it. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to this piece of our what do you third, want to say? I guess this is yeah, third, third episode third episode part one which is our very long very way long longer than we thought race recap yeah but I guess hopefully a lot of insight on Indian Wells which is a race we have not done before and it's only the second annual second one yeah yep. I guess not annual but second but race I, I would done. recommend the race overall 
Yeah. Yeah, I think it was a good race. Really liked it. Um, very competitive. Yeah, very fast, very competitive. Yeah. Even with a lot of first-timers, allegedly, I think, very, very competitive race. Yeah. Um, but the weather was gorgeous. Very cold swim, but all in all, I think, yeah. Great race. Great race. All right. Um, our next episode will... Be like the usual. Yeah. <laughs> the usual talk. Standard procedure. Might be a little, maybe a little shorter than normal just because... We this, talked This forever. took up the bulk of the episode. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs>